Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. What in the world was RG3 talking about with the Jags? Did he just make it up, and why the heck would he just make it up? Hmm, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Austin Lane breaks down tight ends, who everybody says is such a deep class, and Austin Lane doesn't necessarily think so. I'm not buying it. You shouldn't be selling it. Oh, everybody's selling it right now, and uh, it does appear to be top-heavy as well. And we've got a street festival because we've got some opening day at Bregan Field at the baseball grounds at Jumbo Shrimp. Get rocking and rolling here tonight in Jacksonville, Florida. They'll take on Jackson, and uh, should be a lot of fun. Firework night, of course. Uh, today, tomorrow, Saturday, should be a good opening homestand for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. So uh, we've got a nice little backdrop. We hit the road once again, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun out here this afternoon. A beautiful day in Jacksonville, Florida. Matthew Driscoll, UNF basketball coach, will join us talking a little Final Four. He's up in Minnesota. I wonder what the weather's like up in Minnesota right now. He will talk some hoops, and I do want to ask him, what is the best-case scenario? Lipscomb tonight playing for an NIT championship or going to the tournament? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I want to ask the coach, if he was in this position, what would be better for the program, for the school, and uh, ask him a little bit about that NIT game. He knows Lipscomb very well, but really ask him about the Final Four, too. He's up there, coaches convention at the Final Four. And so we'll peek ahead to Saturday's games in the national semifinals. That and so much more on the way here on a Wednesday. You ready for a little baseball? You a little uh, mad you're uh, not throwing the first pitch? Uh, no, because that's just another chance to embarrass myself, so it's all good. I'm, I'm kind of happy. I'm going to be honest with you. I was a little confused with exactly where we were setting up shop because you said we're setting up shop behind home plate, which I assumed was inside. The, I don't, don't don't shake your head, Brent, which I assumed was inside of the baseball stadium. So I was trying to do my best to get inside, and obviously it's not open yet. So thankfully, um, I actually saw the, the ESPN 690 tent, and I was able to find you. Uh, we're not in the ball stadium. Let me guess. Uh, a, guess a, a when, when you guys go on a trip, right? I'm okay. assuming the wife kind of navigates because not really. It's actually a mess, man. Your navigational system is uh, a little off. Okay. Behind the seventeenth, well, behind home plate. I mean, there's only so many ways to go here. I mean, walk around the story a little bit, Austin Lane. I mean, you don't have to be right behind home plate. Well, I understand you gotta, like, that, but get to this hey, part before you even get the whole. Hey, plate. Brent, all you had to tell me was we're in the exact same spot that we were for the NCAA tournament, and that would have been fine. But you had to say right behind home plate. I was thinking, oh, cool, we're in the baseball stadium today. So I had zero idea what was going on. I got here on time. That's all that matters. You got here and, barely on time. And to answer your question, so maybe if you'd walk or got here a little bit earlier, you could have walked well, around and maybe same, even helped set up. And to answer your question, when me and my wife go on vacation, it is a mess. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, because we are the same person in that aspect. Uh, yeah, the camera just fell over, by the way. So we'll get the camera <laughs> rocking and rolling. Like there's a gust of wind. It's a beautiful day. A gust of wind Gale goes force. up, and everybody like resets themselves. Like the oh, we forgot to batten down the hatches. Yeah. And the tents go flying. The cameras go flying. Everything else goes flying, um, but we'll we'll figure it all out. So we'll be up on the video feed if my camera still works now. See, that's my personal camera. Oh, that's it's yours. It just fell on the yeah, ground. Yeah, just fell. On the <laughs> so are you kind of stressed right now? Not really. I could care less. That thing took a tumble. I'm trying to get a show started. Is it still working? 
If it still works, then okay. I don't get to buy a new one. If it's broke, then I get to buy a new one. Brent Martineau just oozing professionalism. His own camera hits the ground, and he just acts like nothing happened. Yeah, it's actually better that's my camera than the station camera. Okay, fair enough. I'd be more uh, uh, probably worried if it was the station's camera. I'm going to say right now, if that was my camera, I would have stopped the whole show, called it all off, and made sure it was okay. Yeah, so. I mean, but you're that's easily distracted. You know? I mean, no, Brent, I just care about my possessions that I pay for. <laughs> Simple as that. I just always am trying to get a new one, and I think it's an easy sell to the wife if I uh, if I can uh, say, "Hey, uh, camera broke. Try yeah. to get a new one." Uh, Write it off hey, in your text. Explain this. We're going to get into this uh, coming up. The RG3 stuff's interesting. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, yeah. and it comes down. Well, I can tell you they're a little digging on the RG3 stuff, and it sounds like, at least from this end of the world, that it wasn't true. So if it wasn't true, what was he trying to do? Like, why would he bring it up? I don't get it. I don't understand the misleading nature of bringing that up in a podcast that the Jags tried to trade for him twice. He's back with the Ravens. It's not like he's still a free agent. So I could see almost if he's a free agent now and someone saying, oh, everybody, somebody wanted him, so maybe there's something that we should go take a look at. Why did they want him? One of those things. But I, I don't really get the nature of this. If uh, if if my sources are correct on on this side of the world, that say, uh, yeah, we didn't try to trade for. Him. Well, and listen, and this is the first I'm actually hearing about that part. So th- this is news well, to me right I, now. That's yeah. what I do around here. Yeah, well, so this is new to me. News, I break it. Th- this is new to me. So that news leads me to believe in three possible outcomes with what you just said. Number one, either your sources are lying, which I have a, <laughs> well, yeah, 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 but, but I have a hard time believing that because I don't know who exactly who your sources are, but. From what I've heard, they've been pretty trustworthy. Yeah, so far. So we're going to give the source the benefit of the doubt, whoever, or, or yeah, basically whoever they are. Number two, RG3 is lying, which, why why would you go on a podcast yeah, involving the, the, the Baltimore Ravens and just all of a sudden make that up? Because it's not like he's a free agent now. So it's not like his, his capital goes up any. So that kind of... Is it a self-worth type of thing? Well, like, well, hey, people wanted me. No, I, I really don't think so. And, and here's option number three, which I'm going to go with. There was a miscommunication between his agent and RG3 and possibly the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, maybe, you know, the agent was talking to the team like, yeah, maybe we'll bring RG3 in for a workout. It never transpired, not anything like that. Because one would think that if the Jaguars were interested in signing RG3, they would at least bring him in for a workout, correct? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. But now, J.P. That, Shadrick... That I never think happened. I, well, I think J.P. Shadrick it? said... Let's see uh, if I can get... I think he tweeted out in the last little bit from the Jags. Uh, the Jags reportedly worked him out last April, could have signed him then and there if they okay. liked him before he went to the Ravens. The Jags wouldn't later try to trade for a guy they didn't like enough to sign before. So, now, J.P. Shadrick tweeting this out that the Jags reportedly worked him out last April. So, if they did, which is... Fair game. I mean, mm-hmm. they, and I actually think I remember him coming in around this time last year uh, for a workout. That happens. It happens all the time. But the I whole mean, trade right at the end of so, August and trade before the deadline, yeah. that's a whole different animal. So now. here's where it leads me to believe that there's a miscommunication between RG3, his agent, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because obviously one of, the, one of the jobs of an agent is to keep your client happy, is to keep him interested, um, keep his mind off the business part and just be a football player. So from that aspect, I feel like maybe RG3's agent uh, told him something that wasn't necessarily true. That got relayed to RG3, 
and then RG3 goes on this podcast with the Baltimore Ravens, or which was like a Baltimore Ravens affiliate, says the Jaguars were interested in signing him and possibly trading for him, and that obviously never happened. That's what I believe happened. Now, we don't have the answers yet. I'm sure more of this is going to come out later. I'm not even sure who his agent is, where we could ask the agent. But, leading, I mean, like the, that whole situation just leads me to believe there's a miscommunication, and if there's miscommunication, that's usually from agent to player. So I wouldn't read too much into it. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it, uh, again, I, I don't really, I don't think this is a huge story. By the way, I mean, it is what it is. It's semantics. The bottom line is, they didn't trade for him. He's not a Jag. He's a Raven, and and I don't think he would have helped last year anyway. I mean, I, I don't know what he would have saved, changed, whatever. Uh, now, at the end of August, I think it would have created a little bit more of a stir to say, hey, okay, we've got Cody Kessler, we've got Blake Bortles, and we have what? And now you feel like you have a guy with some experience, a guy that might excite fans, a guy that might push Blake, a guy that might be a headliner if Blake struggles like he did in the Kansas City game, then Dallas game. Well, now you've got a different kind of storyline because we all knew Cody Kessler wasn't saving the day. And I'm not sure RG3 would save the day either, and I don't think he would. I think his time has passed in the NFL, too, as being a viable starting quarterback. And, and I think that's proven by all his different stops the last few years. But I think it would have created a different kind of buzz than Cody Kessler did. So I guess that's the only thing. And it's such hindsight. He wasn't going to rescue the Jags is my overall point. So I don't really see. I do think this is kind of a semantic story. Them bringing RG, RG3 in, though, would have said that, that they don't have a lot of faith in Blake Bortles. Because... I don't know. Does it? Well, with I mean, Kessler, at least the that's Ravens a guy have that Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson, and they have RG3 at one time last year. But you're going to argue, and I get it, RG3 was the, the third in the depth chart, but I feel like RG3 is 2B behind Flacco, who was like 2C in that system. Like, I think they brought yeah, in yeah, RG3 I, I to, to back up Jackson yes. because their style of play fits the mold it. a little that's more. Fair. Correct. Yeah, so from that perspective, you're going to bring in a guy who doesn't really fit the mold of the Jaguars' offense last year. That shows me that, and listen, RG3 has game experience. He started NFL games. He was a pretty high draft pick. So he has the experience from that perspective. Cody Kessler does not. So if they would have brought in RG3, I guarantee, and myself included, people would have thought, oh, well, they gave Blake Bortles that money, but do they really believe in him? I know. You would have thought that, but that's what everybody wanted. Everybody wanted somebody that could be a viable backup, someone to push Blake Bortles. I mean, so Competition. I, I'm not sure I, I would have – it's just getting the position better, getting it more competitive, and I think that's what a lot of people were called for, right? As we look back on Blake's career, that's the one mistake a lot of people believe the Jags made. They didn't bring enough behind him to push him. We knew Chad Henney wasn't going to beat him out. We knew Cody Kessler wasn't going to beat him out. Why didn't they go try to pick up a second-round, third-round draft pick or a free agent that was, hey, look out, Blake, if you don't – if you start – thinking this is all your job, watch out behind you type of thing. So, And, and the other part of this, RG3 can play in any system, I believe. I mean, I don't think he's just this Baltimore system now that Lamar Jackson plays in. The guy's played in multiple systems in the career and going back to college. So I, I think, uh, but the bottom line is, it didn't happen. At least from the folks we said, it didn't happen. So I'm just curious about why you would say that uh, if it didn't happen. Like or, I said, like agent said, miscommunication. Maybe, and maybe the Jags don't want to admit they tried to trade and it didn't work out. Uh, uh, there is that possibility. So uh, there was always uh, that possibility. All right, you're going to break down tight ends a little bit later on in the show. Matthew yeah. Driscoll coming up uh, during the show as well on the final four. We got a lot to get to here on a Thursday edition. 
Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We're live at the baseball grounds. We've got opening day baseball, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And we got a little street fest. Come on down. Say hello. We're live at Breaking Field, the baseball grounds. We had a choice. We could go inside, hear the crack of the bat. Oh, that sound for batting practice for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp on opening day. Or we just hang out in the street. Street party. Happening. Everybody gets set up. The street. This thing opens up at 4 o'clock. And uh, you can come on down, say hello. There's a lot of folks set up. And we've got some cornhole right in front of us. We got, uh, what is that right there? Is that that game you play at, like, Cracker Barrel? Yeah, but it's like a giant version of that game. Yeah. What's that game you called? Looks like somebody could get hurt with those things. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like a giant steak that could go through someone's eye or something. Yeah, you better not make me mad today. Ooh, easy. But, uh... Yeah, Brent. Like you know, I think being inside would be pretty cool. But let's be honest, we we are men of the people, and we want to be where the action is. And right now, the action is in the streets. So, I'm all for this. You know what's kind of crazy is, I, I did the math. Okay, by next week, after we go to, uh, well, I go to Augusta mm-hmm. for a few days. On next Friday will be our 65th show of this. How about that? 65. That kind of sounds like a lot, doesn't it? It's- well, it's been feeling like forever, but yes, it's only 65 like is a lot for you. You yeah. missed a day. Did I? Yeah, you had to. Oh, yeah, because the weigh-in, correct. You missed the players on Friday, man. That was a bad day to miss. I know. Uh, so, uh, did by the way, did my master's invitation just get lost in the mail, or, or what happened with that? Yeah. The, <clears throat> yeah. Okay, we'll just go with that. Sounds good. Anyways, please continue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen, dude, it took me five years to get a master's credential. It's cool. gonna take you a little bit longer than two months. Uh, I mean, might take you. It's probably going to take a little longer than it did for you to get paid. <laughs> um, but maybe so. I won't hold my breath then. Oh, and uh, so, and the Masters is kind of tricky. Like you can't go live there at the Masters. Really? So, like I tried Hooters, and we I finally nailed it down today. Got an establishment. <laughs> Hooters. Well, yeah. Hooters is kind of the place. Okay. In yeah. uh, in Augusta. Yeah. It's like where John Daly hangs out. Like he has a <laughs> whole setup shop. Don't tell me that because now I really want to go. No, yeah, no, it's cool. It's like, kinda, it sounds awesome. It's fun. But yeah. it's where the big party – I mean, but the whole place is kind of rocking through the week. There's so many people. So we found a place, an establishment. We're going to set up shop Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So uh, now I'm excited about that. I got that all set. But uh, anyway, 26 times in 65 shows by Dang. next week. We've been on the road. That's like a minor league baseball schedule. That is. Where we're on the road nonstop. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, I mean, I know it's not, but it's like 40% of the time. Yeah. We've been on the road, which I love. That's part of the thing. When we did this, we're like, hey, let's take it on the road. Let's go out. Let's have some fun. Tomorrow, we're going to be at Singing the Blues, out at Sneakers, out at the beach. Uh, Heads up a big weekend, Uh, although the weather could be a little iffy tomorrow. Hopefully, it holds off. But what I was got me thinking here is we were at the NCAA tournament right down there. Yeah, we were, Then we were... <clears throat> Not allowed inside the baseball grounds for Florida, Florida State. Uh, so we went across the street. Yep. And now we are right here. I mean, we have lived on this street. We might have to take up residence. I mean, are we going to eventually make our way over to the coffee place there? The coffee Maxwell? house? Maxwell House. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do, I, I mean, I'm sure, to, I'm sure you would love that. A coffee place. Yeah. But by the way, there's nothing better than a guy that doesn't love coffee. To go through training camp with the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> and having to smell it every single morning as you pull up to the stadium. Well, you ask a lot Just of people. Just a delight. Ask a lot of people around here, better than the old paper mill smell. Oh, that, <laughs> that I'm familiar that. with is in Wisconsin. But I actually, did you have that? Oh, yeah. I had it in Louisiana. Place, man. Oh, yeah. That's rough. Yeah. But, I mean, they had that in Jacksonville for a long, long time, that paper mill smell. My, uh, my stepdad actually works at a paper mill, so really? he, he would come home and... It's the sulfur, that stench. Right? Uh, 
I think it's the sulfur. sulfur that they use to break down the pulp, if I'm not mistaken. Is that how it is? Yeah. Something like I that. I think that's what stinks, though. Yes. Yeah. That's the yeah. the, that's the gas. Not you know. a very pleasant smell, by any means. Um, is that on, like, the periodic table, sulfur? It's got to be, right? I think it is. Yep. Periodic table reference. Early good call. On yeah, I mean, who are you, Stuart Weber? Yeah, is not that? a very good sign. In fact, I'll have to confirm that's, that that is does exist. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I kind of feel like... And maybe they do this, and I don't know. But the, the Maxwell House so close, and such a, a, a the smell a little bit of it mm-hmm. at times, depending on what time of day. Like you can't smell it right now. I no. But it depends what time of day. Why don't they have like a little, like to go shop set up right there? Like a like a drive-through thing? Well, I, yeah, or just kind of like, hey, we this is what we do. We do coffee, so we'll have. Yeah, a little but like, it's Maxwell House. I mean, hey, I'm not trying to throw shade at Maxwell House. But it's like your grandpa and grandma's coffee. Like I don't know what. Well, I'm just saying, like, do people just come by the Carlos to get Maxwell House coffee? No, I like, guess I feel not. Like that's but, what Starbucks. Uh, well, and, is and for. maybe maybe you're right. Maybe like as they build this place up even more, and you know, we talk about Lot J. Mm-hmm. Although Lot J took a little bit of a hit this week, if you weren't paying attention, uh, J E A moved to I think it's uh, Adam Street, and that's where they're going to set up their their headquarters instead of Lot J, and that was a big deal because it would have got, I think, 800 employees into Lot J, yeah. and I continue to follow that real close. So I know it's not necessarily sports-related, but I do think it impacts sports in this city in a big way. So they are going to march on with Lot J, but my point is once they do build that up and build this area up, say, in the next two, three, five years, then you do have foot traffic around here a little bit more. Then you have shops to go to and restaurants, and you have working class, and uh, well, you already do, but I'm saying you have more of it. Maybe you have some residential, and you have hotels even down this way. I'm going to suggest to the Maxwell House people that they do like a, almost like a food truck-esque thing with the coffee. I mean, celebrate it. If you're here, yeah. throw I mean, a little, it is a staple a little of tent the city, up. right? Yeah, like, throw a little tent up, make a little money, mm-hmm. and share the coffee. Free marketing. I'm not mad at that idea, actually. I, and then we can maybe have them sponsor us. Well, that's okay, too. I mean, is that, that's what we're really thinking about here, correct? It all comes back to us. I'm still trying to find a software that's actually on the periodic table. I assume it is. Are I you a big science guy? Is. No, I'm awful at it. Yeah, I, was, I, I bet I'm worse. Hardest class you ever took. Chem- well, chemistry is up there. Probably. Well, so in high school, we had the option of going either physics or chemistry. I wanted to play with the test tubes and the beakers and the, and the, the centrifuge. So chemistry all day. Well, I had no idea there was, like, math and everything involved because we've had this story before. I'm horrible at math. So, yeah, I basically got, like, a D-minus in chemistry, just barely passed by. And the highlight of my chemistry career in high school was – are you familiar with chemistry a lot or not? Oh, a, little a little bit. I took it. I thought it was probably one of the hardest classes I took. So, too. yeah. So we had a – we had a cla- – like, we had Physics a – Physics would have been hard if my future wife wasn't in the class. <laughs> <laughs> we we had it set up where you know we actually made the chemicals and whatnot. So the teacher would put the you know like the CH3 and you had to make that in, in your chemicals. Well, I made the chemical, but I didn't take into account whoever. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, whoever. Comes. That's a pretty standard. Not one, only I that, guess. but it's my baseball number. It's 16 uh, on the periodic. I probably table. should have known that. <laughs> I yeah, think that's so what that means. <laughs> so so our professor gave us the concoction to make. I made it. Well. When you take it out of the centrifuge, you have, like, these tongs because sometimes when you mix acids together, yeah. obviously it's hot. Well, I was an idiot. I didn't care. I, th- I thought I was a badass, so I just grabbed the beaker out of the centrifuge, burnt the crap out of my hand, and proceeded to drop the beaker on the ground. 
and it just so happened that my best friend AP, his shoe was right on the ground, like where I dropped it by, and the acid ate through his shoe, oh. and uh, that they had to like struggle and hurry up to you know make sure you didn't get burned too bad. So beaker sorry, is a AP. great word, by the way. Beaker, yes. it's a really good word. The other class, uh, uh, I I was a math guy. But I didn't oh. like geometry. Like, okay. I'd rather have trigonometry than geometry. Oof, so you're right. not a math guy. Do you like geometry head. then? No, I, I hated everything. I hated oh, everything geometry revolving geometry is math. not math. I, I hate everything revolving math. Yeah, it's yes, just, geometry it's just, is it's math. It's totally different. If your brain likes math, okay, your geometry doesn't make sense to you. Yeah, but geometry, it's still an exact science. Like, see, that's... Really, you know, not, I, know it's, I know it technically is math. Yeah. I'm just saying... It doesn't op- like if you like numbers and you don't, you're good at algebra mm-hmm. and those that does not translate to you being good in geometry. It's like a totally different deal. Yeah, it's a different side of your brain that you have to think from. Well, and, and that's what was, my point was going to be where I was really good at art and creative writing. So I'm not sure if that's your left side or your right side, but I, a, I think your left side. Creative. So uh, only yeah. seven to ten percent of the world apparently. Okay, so my my left side is off the charts, <laughs> and my right side is just absolute trash because I, I hated <laughs> geometry. I hated all math because. I would always sit there, and I would just wonder, like, why would I ever have to know this stuff? Like, I, I haven't used it. And guess what? To all, all, to all you high school students listening or all you grade school students, spoiler alert, unless you get involved in, like, drafting or, like, blueprinting, you never use geometry. I'm not saying stage a walkout, but I'm just saying you never use it. Thanks very much. My uh, soon-to-be 14-year-old, that's what he says, like, every day. Why are we going to use this stuff? Why are we going to use this stuff? And by the way... A kid after my own heart. Uh, if you're listening... You probably didn't tune in to hear about geometry, <laughs> the periodic table, Maxwell House coffee, uh, and whatever the heck we just talked about. So we'll get to the tight end breakdown in just a little bit. Bring it on. Uh, Matthew Driscoll coming up at uh, 4 o'clock. Hey, uh, Coos, what's up, man? Uh, the Magic with a big win and got some help last night. Yeah, man. They, uh, they're they making their push, you know. Well, I don't know if it's a push. It's like a teeter-totter. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they essentially need to win. Like, there's no room for errors, I guess, what I was referring to. Do you know what the, the – I, I haven't looked it up. I can check it out. But the schedule now, because the, they have three – everybody's got three games left. They're a half a game ahead, right? Does the schedule favor Orlando down the stretch? Uh, I'd have to look it up. Give me a sec. Well, we'll do it on the other side. We'll check it out to see where they stand uh, from the NBA. LeBron James uh, talks because his season's over. It has been for a week. Heck, you can argue it has been for more than a month. It's really it's really one of the lost seasons in, in LeBron James's career. And I kind of want to get into a little bit of what happens going forward with the Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James, and even their coach, Luke Walt. Yeah. Oh, I'd like fair. to talk about that a little uh, yeah, bit. Yeah, we will. How about we'll do that? We'll check in on the Orlando Magic. we got some balling and falling, and we got a tight end breakdown. Austin Lane disagrees with you, people. It's not a deep draft at tight end. Fuck your seatbelts. You better grab one early. You listening across the street? Jags headquarters? No, Kuiper, you listening? He doesn't listen to you. No, probably not. (laughs) He doesn't know who I am, obviously, from from my draft. Good thing you didn't listen to him. You've never made the NFL. (laughs) Back with more from the baseball grounds. Opening day for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And we continue on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Welcome back, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. The Magic Whiteboard getting a little love here uh, during the street fest. It's street fest, street party, street something. Yeah, Brewers making it real hard to be humble. Real hard to be humble, yeah, you, Brent. Yeah, you can tell the you can tell teams that haven't won a lot they get excited in the we're, first ten uh, days. Of the we actually won a lot last year too, but yeah. just real hard to be humble because all we do is win, 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 win. <laughs> you can join the Mets fans in that party. Started eleven one last year, and 
How did that work out for him? Although, I wouldn't mind a couple of the trends that are happening. The Red Sox did win yesterday. But I'm almost rooting against the Red Sox so I can win $100 and a lot of bragging rights. Uh, See, I don't get office. how you can call yourself a true fan. I don't call myself a true fan, so I'm not hypocritical. I don't anymore. get how you can call yourself even a fan. I hardly do. If, if you bet against your team. Like, we just won the World Series. We. Oh, you, you, you're, yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot Brent Martin was batting eighth that day uh, at the That's World my Series. Favorite. My favorite is we. Yep. We. Like, yeah, like I did. I hit eighth. I pitch hit a couple times for the Red Sox last year. That's my favorite thing. Yep. We did this. Yeah, okay, you did. You're, yeah. you're heavily invested. Um, but the uh, the combined record is something like eight and seventeen of yeah. of the Indians, Red Sox, Yankees, and Astros. Yankees striking out a lot looks like oh eighteen times. Ooh. I tell you that I still believe that's the Yankees' fault in in the way they're built. They have got to learn to play situational power baseball. hitters, right? The power hitting fine is fine. You're going to strike out more than you used to, mm-hmm. and it's fine. We can debate it. We can argue you don't like it. You like it. It doesn't matter. There's the home runs. It's a home run ballpark. They can basically bunt it out of that ballpark sometimes <laughs> to right field, and that's just what happens now. And they've got a lineup that's deadly in that regard. But in the postseason, they had last year games like yesterday where they struck out a ton, couldn't move runners, couldn't advance runners, and when you lose 2-1, to one, I think you cost yourself ball games. In that regard, regular season might not matter. I think it does catch up with you a little bit in the postseason. Right, we'll see what happens. Uh, we are going to talk a little uh, NBA and LeBron James and the Lakers. Where, do, where does it go from here? But this is one of the great things. Christy Turner, reporter for Action News Jack, CBS 47 and Fox 30. I'm following some of her tweets because uh, they are – it looks like they might be at Naval Air Station Jacks uh, in not Mayport. So one of the two. I can't really tell where, uh, but they families are uh, welcoming back a deployment. Oh, very cool. So six months uh, in Japan and El Salvador. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, she tweets on her timeline, there's these couple of kids. I mean, they look like they're four, and <laughs> they they think they're there for an air show, not to see their dad. Yeah. And, so, and then she's got the reunion. Yeah. So uh, go check it out on Twitter, at uh, Christy A.N. Jacks. But uh, it's, those are the best. That's awesome. No, that, that is awesome. Have you seen that viral video of uh, a kid at karate class who was blindfolded to spar somebody? And, yeah, and I did it see happened that one. to be his dad. Yeah, that was, yeah. was you know, it's, coming you know, it's, back from a tour. That was really cool. It, as well. It's crazy. You know, all these things happen now. And uh, I think we almost have to preface it with okay, it's not the first time we've seen it, right? It, mm-hmm. it, but we also say it doesn't get old. But what's also fascinating to me is, uh, <laughs> is the fact that we, we get to see all the unique ways. That it happens, mm-hmm. you know, like that one the, in the karate. Oh, it class. was, and I'm not sure how old the kid was. Might have been five, six years old, but uh, it was just, uh, you know, you know, so, someone was cutting onions in my house that day yeah. because yeah. it was a really emotional video. Uh, I definitely highly recommend it. If anybody hasn't seen it, go check it out. Just type in karate. Um, Dad comes back from deployment. You should be able to find it. Yeah. Do you ever think that like our kids are gonna appreciate us that way, Brent? They're gonna greet us that way and love us that way because sometimes it's. It's hard. No, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't. Uh, well, what I try to do is with the deployment stuff, I can't relate. So no, exactly. Um, and, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of uh, in, in awe of that scene sometimes, mm-hmm. and also of the families. I think that's really difficult. Six months, a, a yeah. year, sometimes. You know, obviously, uh, in many respects, putting their life on the line in a lot of different uh, parts of the world. Mm-hmm. So I can't relate to it. I, I didn't do it. But I sometimes say. Uh, 
when you have these moments or if you have like a quiet moment, if, if you have kids, you put yourself in that spot and what it would be like. Exactly. And it's almost like hard to not get a little emotional about what it would feel like to be gone for six months or I eight know. months or a year and your little kids and, heck, any age kids, really. But uh, I think you do – you can kind of get there. You can almost get there. I know it's not reality for you, yeah. but uh, but you certainly can uh, – I just want to hug when I come home through the door, man. That's yeah, all I'm asking I mean, for. Listen, you, know? you get that. You get yes, that. Listen, sometimes. I know you get that from Rodan. I got sometimes. that first time. Well, yeah, you, you know what? And that's what kind of makes me out a little bit is you get more <laughs> hugs, I think, than I have gotten the past week. Uh, I was going to share a quick thing. So after my fight, you know, I mean, it's always hard – in MMA because he's starting to get what's going on now and he understands yeah. that I fight. So, you know, saying goodbye to him is always, I don't want to say it's emotional, but it's always like, all right, buddy, I have to go fight now. I'll see you later. And he's like, okay, dad, dad, like, good luck. And it's really cute. And then I guess I'm, I'm, uh, I'm accustomed to too many MMA movies, and too many boxing movies. Cause I always expect when I come home for my son to be there to give me a giant <laughs> hug saying, dad, did you win? I'll be like, yes, son, I sure did. I won. I beat him up. And you know, my son's like, oh, that's great. Well, that happens in the movies. But in the Lane household, after I come home from an MMA fight, especially this last one, I got home around 11.30. I had to go to Wawa because, you know, I had to get some food after the fight. I, I come home from Wawa, and of course, you know, Ronan's still up, waiting to see me. Good choice. I walk in the door. Thank you, Coos. Uh, uh, <laughs> get your sweatshirt on today. Yes. Yeah. I do, so, actually. <laughs> so I ended up walking through the door with my giant bag of Wawa stuff, you know, some subs, some, uh, some, some different kind of bowls and whatnot. And where does my son go? He goes... Dada, where's mine? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. I don't have any for you. And he proceeds to throw a fit. <laughs> hey, little man, I'm trying not to shake hands with the Grim Reaper in the middle of the cage. I'm fighting for you, and I can't even get a hug. I can't even get a, hey, how'd your match go? No, it's, no. where's the wow? Where's my shake? Yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, That's man. good stuff. Yeah. Uh, hey, Coos, did you do some work and uh, figure out what the magic schedule's like, or you've been putting out fires? <laughs> no, I'm, well, I've been putting out fires, but I also saw what the Orlando Magic have to deal with for the rest of the season. Like you said, it's three games. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> Who are those teams? <laughs> the, uh, the, I was throwing it up to keep the conversation going. You got the Celtics, the Hawks, and uh, the Hornets. I- I kind of felt like you just stalled the conversation. It's <laughs> not really kept it going. No, yeah, uh, but they, they've got they've got one, in my opinion, hard game, which will be the Celtics because they're fighting for uh, home court against spot, but... uh, Indiana. So uh, I think that'll be a tough game. But then they got the Hawks and the Hornets, who are you know uh, essentially out of it, and definitely the Hawks are definitely out of it. So um, they should get at least two more wins this season uh, out of the three they have left. Cool. Since we're on the topic of the NBA, quick, now's a perfect time to talk about it. Brent kind of mentioned a little bit, but with, you know, you got the LA Lakers, you got LeBron James. What do you see hap- Like, what, what do you predict is going to happen to Luke Walton? Because obviously, it wasn't a good year for the Los Angeles Lakers. Do you think that? And I don't want to say LeBron has, you know, say, but I think there is some part to him having a decision of the head coach's future. Yeah. Do you think Luke, Luke Walton's going to be gone? And then in, in retrospect, who's going to want that job? Because I get the feeling that LeBron James maybe isn't you know the easiest guy to coach for when, you, when he's 35 years old. I don't want to say he's out of his prime yet, but I think he's declined a little bit. And they don't have any star players right now. They have a young roster who doesn't really want to be there. Well, they have now, LeBron granted, James. They, yeah, but they, have, they also have a young roster who doesn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. For, so my question is, if they get rid of Luke Walton, what coach is going to want to take that job? Well, so I've heard two. 
uh, and one I think is completely false. I, I heard Doc Rivers was a rumor for a while there. I, I don't believe that for even a second. And then I also heard them talking about Jason Kidd uh, potentially coming over and, and coaching. So uh, those are the only two that I've heard so far. But I've also heard recently that management has kind of come out and defended Luke Walton saying, like, the Lakers have dealt with a ton of injury. Le, you know, Lonzo Ball has been out most this season. LeBron was out for two uh, I think it was maybe even a little bit more than two full weeks. So when when you assess Walton, you talk about all the injuries, and there wasn't ever a consistent roster that he could practice with or work with and, and, and kind of get that familiarity going. So for somebody that would argue to keep Walton, I think that's where you live. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is LeBron had, does have the narrative that he is the coach killer. You know, he had that in Cleveland, and he tried to get Spolstra fired in, in uh, Miami for a while there. So it, it's one of those things. Uh, I I personally don't know what they'll do. I think Walton might be used as a scapegoat, uh, which seems to happen sometimes in these situations. So it, it definitely is going to be an interesting offseason to watch what happens for the Lakers and if they can uh, – you know, bring over a star like Anthony Davis or or a Kawhi Leonard, depending on how the uh, offseason goes. Don't you kind of get the sense that uh, the commissioner said to some of these teams, like, all right, stop talking about Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want – I mean, I know – I understand that they, they kind of uh, slapped LeBron's hand mm-hmm. on the whole tampering thing. And uh, I, I think it just feels like everything's been quiet on Anthony Davis for so long. I know once the trade deadline passed and, and then nothing was going to happen, but I just figured we'd hear more. It has, it's been a pretty quiet topic for the last couple of months. It will be, it'll be ramped up, of course, when the summer comes around. Uh, that will happen. Any chance at a player-coach situation? Can you do that? <laughs> what is it, he Space Jam? Team, man. What is it, Space Jam 2? Well, that's what he's taking time off to film right now, so maybe. Yeah, I know. No, I don't, I don't ever see that happening, Brent. I really don't. I think being a coach, uh, I mean, it's a job in itself, and – Nothing against LeBron James. I'm sure he could handle it, but I just feel like that's way too much on his plate. Yeah, I, th- I think it shows too much authority figure for one guy. Yes. I mean, it probably already feels like that, but when you put the guy in that space, mm-hmm. then you're telling him it's that. It's one thing to be told that this guy's running everything. It's one thing to kind of think a guy's well, running. Yes, let, me, you know uh, I mean? let me ask you this. You know, I know player-coach situations a little bit different, but what do you feel about coaches that are also like the general managers and stuff like that, that they've kind of tested out in the NBA but doesn't seem to have been working? Well, they tested it out in a lot of sports, and I think what, mm-hmm. what, what can't be handled is there's just too much. Uh, very few people can do it. And uh, Tom Coughlin tried doing it here years ago. I mean, that was the wave. That was the way to go is give everybody the power. And some people can. Bill Belichick does it. Joe Jones is the owner in the like the GM, Yeah, I think that's a little different. A different but I get yeah, your yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. it's a little different than the coaching. No, true. And true, I think true. what happened, there was a trend there for a year, for years in sports and, and NBA – uh, and NFL that, hey, we're going to give this guy all the power. You know why? Because it was the way to lure somebody mm-hmm. from another team. So if the job was like a lateral job or something that was hard to sell a guy on, hey, we're going to give you power of this too. Yeah. Well, it became a very bad thing to do. It's yep. just because bottom line is coaches are motivators and stuff. Coaches aren't necessarily scouts and talent evaluators. Yeah, they can evaluate talent. But that's not what they do. And then piecing it all together, salary cap and all these other things, I think uh, people learned quickly, in the NFL especially, that that is just not a way to go. Hey, Coos, 
Did you put the thing at the top of the screen? You changed it. Oh, yeah, it. I moved it on you guys. I liked it. I kind of like that. Yeah, bad. I so figured I try something out. new. Something yeah, very good. Very good. Well, Check us out on at Brent A.S. Jacks on Facebook, ESPN 690. On Twitch, ESPN 690 Jackson on our YouTube channel, Action Sports Jacks. How about a little balling and falling before Matthew Driscoll calls us from the Final Four in Minnesota? It's all on the way on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We are at the Street Fest. A little party going on here at the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Home Opener. Really, the party has not got started yet. Everybody's just waiting for the party to happen. Uh, there are a lot of vendors here. There are a lot of people ready to meet and greet people. But the people have not shown up. But that's okay. They're not late. It's It happens at 4 o'clock. It's all good. I, I just don't want to paint the wrong picture. Oh, no, you're all good. I wasn't even worried about it, to tell you the truth. I was, right. busy. I was busy talking some MMA with our fellow f- photographer friend that t- t- took some pictures of us. Okay. Yeah, He's got, a had the white Muay Thai on. competitor. Really? So, yeah. How many different styles of MMA are there? <sighs> a lot. A lot. I mean, off the top of my head, you got jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, boxing, kickboxing, uh, sambo, ju- uh, I said jiu-jitsu already, um, wrestling. You don't have to go fast through this. We've got plenty of time. Okay, I'm just trying to knock them out. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. I felt like you were rushing. By the way, there's a giant. Would you like to climb the wall down there? Now with these shoes on, Brent, I don't. Oh, you got the Jordans on. Yeah, in case you haven't noticed, so... Where's the checkerboard, like, shoes that you should have already given to somebody? Like the trash can. Well, in case you haven't noticed, when we're on location, I actually dress up a little bit, and I wear Jordans, because, like I've talked about before on the show... That young lady over there just looked at you like, that's dressed up? Yes, this is literally putting on my Ritz right now. This is putting on my, my Sunday best uh, polo shirt. And by the way, I've had friends that have reached out to me and made fun of me for wearing a polo shirt. Oh, really? So you're, you're not a polo shirt guy? I've I just I've never really worn them, no. Ah. So, like, keep making fun of them. So, yeah, exactly. You go to so, the Players' Championship. <laughs> you're not getting a credential to Augusta if you don't wear a polo shirt. So there's a giant group text going around that has a picture of me saying I'm a I'm an effing sellout, basically. So we'll leave it at that. But what, what, what was it getting back to? kids around here. I said effing. I know. Yeah. But what, I mean, what like, right when about? the kid walked by. Effing. I'll say it again. What, uh, what, what was it even talking about, Brent? Uh, you you're were talking you're about the different styles of... Uh, oh, yeah. Me. So... Oh, no. I was talking about my shoes. The oh, then you shoes, my shoes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was forgot. sponsored by Nike, and being sponsored by Nike comes with perks where we got free Jordans and free Nike shoes, and I've never worn them. So I figured it's a good excuse to wear a, a new pair of Jordans if I'm on location with Brent Martineau. So that's why every location spot that we do, I always wear a different pair of shoes now. All right. I like it. Yeah. Um... That's a that's a good enough reason to do so. We can play cornhole. We can play the equivalent of beer pong, which is in a soccer <laughs> ball and trash cans. I don't yep. know if alcohol is included. Jenga, uh, and I don't know what this game is called. Yeah, is there even a? But a again, name it's of the it? Cracker Barrel game. It's the Cracker knows Barrel game. About, yeah, but, yeah. But I don't know what it's called. Yep. Uh, and everybody's like, the, you know, that bar right there is not called the Jacksonville Sports Tavern. It's called that bar at the arena. Mm-hmm. Even though. They still don't have the signage that says FR. They're well, but they, they're all decked out. Shrimp and ate easy over there. Like, and there's they're another, ready to go. Well, and there's a sign, too, that I'm not going to pronounce. There is a sign but, um, over here like, what? So happy it's Thursday. I've never heard of this. And, and, like, and so, go ahead and, uh, you know, so it's get like the letters TGIF. out of that. It's like TGIF, but it's something else. And once again, it's so happy it's Thursday. And so, Figure it out, people. Yeah, and the, with periods I've between. never heard that. I yeah. haven't either. So it's, a, it's the new oh. version of TGIF. 
Kuz gets Kuz, it. Kuz, you actually got Kuz. You got that way earlier than I thought. <laughs> Spell it. Nope, that's what I did. Um, Spell Thursday. By the way, it's called uh, the Pegboard Game. Oh, is that what it's actually called? I like I, the Cracker Barrel. I literally game googled Cracker Barrel Game, and that's what it says. So it's the, the Pegboard peg Game. But if people like Cracker Barrel Game, people know what we're talking about. If we said Pegboard Game, I don't think anybody would know. I mean, and Brent, we also have something else here too on the table that you haven't even noticed yet. To the right of you, we, we got stickers, dude. Oh, yeah, stickers are new? Aren't they new? I've never seen the stickers you before. Might. I've been uh, sporting the lanyard lately. Yeah, I have to get one of those. Been doing the lanyard thing. We got pens. We have footballs. Yep, we have stickers. So we if there's a car accident when I go home on uh, on the Hart Bridge, expect uh, about ten different kinds of stickers on your windshield, really promoting our brand. All right. Uh, do we have ballin' and fallin' is the question. I have ballin'. Do you got it? I do. Okay. You want go me to ahead. go first? All right, Brent, let's go to hockey. Oh, boy. Playoff, uh, we got the Iceman coming up with playoffs. Yeah, Hopefully good. I can get that job that we are talking about. And we'll uh, by the way, that. they, that's a good little, uh, I'll interrupt you. April 18th and 19th is their home games in the playoffs. Sweet. Uh, we're going to grow playoff beards. Hey, you're done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and go. And April, <laughs> you did that fast. Yes. April 20th, uh, an if necessary game at home. But So first time in two decades, a little playoff hockey that's awesome. uh, for the Jacksonville Iceman. That's pretty cool. Okay, go on. Okay, so... Uh, Let's go ahead and give balling out to Craig Cunningham. A former captain of the Tucson Roadrunners saw his dreams of hockey come to an end as he collapsed on the ice against the Manitoba Moose a little over two years ago. His heart literally stopped beating and was seconds away from death. Thankfully, uh, due to paramedics and a specialized procedure, they ended up saving his life. However, the result led to a complication causing his leg to be amputated. After his leg was amputated, he said that his hockey career was most likely over, and he came to terms with it. Well, yesterday, Craig posted a video on his Instagram of him skating with an artificial leg, and guess what? This guy looks ready to play. I think his career is far from over because literally two years after the incident, and you can't even tell that he's using a prosthetic leg, dude. It's insane hmm. how good of, like, of a skater this guy is. So if you guys get a chance, go check out this dude, Craig Cunningham, former hockey player. Uh, go on his Instagram, check out this video. Of, uh, literally, it's, it's like a specially made skate with an artificial leg, and uh, the dude is absolutely crushing it. So balling. Craig Cunningham. That's awesome. Uh, and Stick of, taps That's, for a, that's a good story on the week that we interviewed Richard Collier. Yeah. Uh, the Brooks Ballers, they're actually taking off today for Chicago, and they'll play tomorrow in the National Championships in wheelchair basketball. So a uh, good little uh, story there on a Thursday for your balling. My balling, I'm going to go at Augusta. They have the drive, chip, and putt championships. Yeah, I've actually watched that on TV before. Yeah, and yeah. it will be on on Sunday. Uh, just a, a bunch of kids. It's inspired to get kids involved in the game and Augusta really has helped out you know you get them to the Masters they can watch a practice round on Monday uh, they obviously drive and they chip and they butt and there's different age groups but Jacksonville's been well represented in the past we did a story last year on a little dude Miles Russell uh, he was nine years old at the time he almost won the thing in his category he finished second Dang. and then uh, just uh, went out uh, to uh, Julington Creek on Wednesday night after the show and talked to a uh, young man by the name of Andrew, he's 15, and Bryson, who's 11, they are both qualified to go to the Drive, Chip, and Putt Championships, the National Championships at Augusta on Sunday. So if you're watching that on Sunday, keep an eye on 15-year-old Andrew Heck yeah. and 11-year-old Bryson, and uh, those guys have some cool games. You know what else was interesting? Andrew is a Tiger Woods fan. Not big difference, right? <laughs> not, yeah, that's, uh, that's not surprising. You know what I thought was interesting? 11-year-old Bryson, you know who his favorite golfer was? Who do you think? 11-year-old Bryson. Uh, I don't know. Let's go ahead and... Wait, not Tiger, so... No, so uh, I would say Rory 
McElroy. That's good. Yeah. Or, or Ricky Fowler. Yeah, yeah, right? Ricky Fowler. Kids yep, love Ricky yep, Fowler. Yep. He said Bubba Watson. Huh. I thought that was interesting. Well, I guess after his Masters win was kind of... Yeah, I mean, Bubba's good. And everything. I, mean, I think Bubba won like three times last year. He kind of fell off the face of the earth, and mm-hmm. he won. And he's won a, the Masters, of course, yeah. uh, a couple times now. Yep. So, but I just thought it was interesting that a little guy would like... Like Ricky Fowler, I get it. Rory McIlroy, yeah, I yeah, get it. Yeah. I just thought Bubba Watson is interesting. Because kind of, I think, to the, really adult, tie kids. I think to the adult crowd, Bubba Watson's kind of like... He's almost like polarizing in a way. You either can't stand Bubba Watson mm-hmm. or you like him yeah. because of the game. Yep. But I thought... Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Looks like we may have lost the guys here. Uh, that's what happens when we broadcast live from the road. So we will try to bring them back here in just a minute. They were currently talking about the drive, chip, and putt uh, championship that uh, they do here in Jack. Well, they don't do it here in Jacksonville, but they do uh, some of the qualifiers here in Jacksonville. And uh, hopefully we can get the guys back for you. Let's... Uh, Let's go to commercial real quick. I was hoping to get him back. Oh, I think we got him back. Brent, Austin, you guys there? Yeah, we're here. Yeah, we're here. There you All are. Right. All right. We dropped out for a second? Just a second, we're... yep. Yeah, okay, we uh, left off on Bubba Watson. Did you hear me talking about Bubba Watson? A yes. Bit? Don't go crazy if we lose you for <laughs> a half a second. It's going to be Weber's, okay, man. Weber's standing right in the way of the Wi-Fi right now. That's the uh... problem. He, he came over, bam, off. Uh, so, anyway, I'll wrap up my thought on Bubba Watson you for a third it. time. And... Uh, <laughs> If you go to Augusta, you have to go see where he hit that shot, 10th hole, to, to help him win the Masters uh, in the woods, where he hits it from. It, it, it was like an artist. It was a magician. It was amazing what he did. But you also have to sit there and remind yourself he did it with so much on the line and in a pressure spot. And I think you almost have to remind yourself when these guys hit these great shots, these crazy shots, mm-hmm. that they do it in that setting. You know, uh, where the nerves are kind of up there, too, and going and the guts to take the shot uh, was tremendous. So if you ever have a chance, and I know not everybody gets a chance to go to Augusta, but if you do get that chance, of all the different shots that have happened uh, over there, and there's been a lot of magic, you have to go see that shot. It is it is truly tremendous. All right. Sounds good, man. Uh, It was Andrew and Bryson, right? Andrew and Bryson. All right, guys, good luck. The whole city's behind you. Go do your thing. Uh, Fallen. (laughs) This one. All right, Fallen. Steve Ross, a high school baseball coach in Salt Lake City, has been put on administrative leave indefinitely. Why, you may ask? Because he wanted water off his baseball field. Confused? I'll explain. Apparently the baseball field had water on it because that's what rain does sometimes. (laughs) Ross, refusing to sacrifice practice time, or maybe the guy just hated puddles, took it upon himself to pour gasoline all over the field. The plan was to light the gasoline on fire and then vaporize the puddles in the infield. If this isn't the most public school story I've ever heard in my entire life, how is this guy involved with shaping today's youth? He's been put on administrative leave, and guess what? They had to get the health department involved because the gasoline may have leaked into the groundwater. <laughs> what a fallen. nightmare. He has fallen. And by the way, Texas may fall tonight to Lipscomb. We'll talk about the NIT final and the Final Four with UNF head coach Matthew Driscoll next on ESPN 690. What a beautiful day in Jacksonville. And we are at the Street Fest outside the home opener of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Right outside the baseball grounds. They've closed off the street. we got a little music. And we got a lot of vendors. And you have ESPN 690 right here live and in person. Of course, you can check it out on a bunch of different platforms, including ESPN690.com if you are at work. But it feels like just a festive afternoon. Four o'clock. Oh, it's a good time to jump into the happy hour horn time. Get us with it. 
grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders, and maybe grab a sticker too while we're at it. We got stickers over here as well. Hey, we do have uh, can openers. Yep. Bottle openers. It was funny. <laughs> I was saying that a kid made eye contact with me, so I was trying to go through as fast as possible. But I'm not, I'm not trying to encourage the you know the underwriters to start drinking and everything. No, please so. don't do that. Yeah. Don't do and that, by though. the way, you really undersold that uh, the, the the music being played. It, it's it's boisterous and it's loud. It is top forty. Like I don't feel like it's too loud though. I don't know, man. That guy was blaring Jonas Brothers. Cause is this what Just you play the on the 102.9? Uh, 95.1, but I'm yes. I'm sorry, 95.1? <laughs> yep. <laughs> that one, too? <laughs> we have 102.9, too, right? Uh, yes, that's easy, 102.9. Okay, good. <laughs> Just making sure it was our station. <laughs> the that would have been bad. That would have been a big slip-up uh, <laughs> yeah. if I did that. Uh, yeah, fine coups at night on 95.1. Sorry. Cool. Uh, there you go. You got that, too. That's where you play this kind of music. All right. I don't know if this guy sings. But he might give us a let's go. He's probably got a coffee in his hand. I think he just woke up from a nap. It's uh, UNF basketball coach Matthew Driscoll at the Final Four in Minnesota. Coach, what's happening? Well, first of all, I only nap on game day, so don't don't don't, don't start spreading rumors. I'm a napper. And sec- oh. second of all, oh, I, only do, I, only do one, I only do hey, I only do one cup a day. I set the alarm because I had to get out of this this, this place I'm at. So you can hear me. And third and thirdly, if you want to sing, tell me what you want to hear. Take me out to the ball game. What do you want to hear? Give me, give me ah, a take, hey, yeah, take guys, take your requests. We'll, we'll, we'll do it at the end. We'll do it at the end. But, 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 Brent, you know, the one great thing about living in our city for 10 years now is like the jumbo shrimp, the, 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 um, the Iceman, um, sharks, all those kind of events and sporting events that we have that are, are, are able to be going to when the Jags aren't playing and then UNF basketball. Our city is a way, way, way better sports town than I had ever imagined before I came here. And there's so much to do. When you get downtown and you have an event like you have right now with the streets blocked off and, and joyous um, uh, things that are going on, it, 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 it's an incredible place to live that a lot of people are starting to figure out. That's why we're the second fastest growing city in America. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. That was uh, good uh, for the city of Jacksonville, by the way. I think they'll like that. But uh, you're right. Uh, you're right in so many ways. And, and not only that, all the different big events that are right here close to us, within yep. driving distance or right in our we, own backyard. We just had the NCAA tournament again. Um, you, you know, obviously with, you know, championship football and what's going on with that, I think we're going to get a national championship game here as soon as we get a couple more hotels, which we're building right now. So I think the future is going to be huge for us. Um, and, and, and what's going to happen? I know one thing. It's 75 there, and it's uh, it, it, it's it's absolute opposite here. It's 57 here. I know that. It's freezing up here. Yeah, like that's good for an April day in Minnesota. That, that's summertime there. <laughs> let me tell you something. When you when, let me tell you when you know you're in a cold town. When every when you're driving to your hotel and every single building is connected with a skywalk. You know yes. you're in a cold place. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Indianapolis is like that. Minnesota's like that. Hey, Coach, I never – I've been to a lot of sporting events. Very few that I haven't been to, uh, fortunate enough. I mean, I've been to World Series. I've been to uh, Super Bowls, uh, Daytona 500, the Masters, U.S. Opens. I still have never been to a Final Four. And so, set oh, wow. scene, what's it like and why do all you guys go – is it okay. basically a coaching convention? Okay. Yeah, 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 a couple things. Number one, I'm going to put this on the air for you. If you ever want to come, you come stay with me, and, and then I'll kind of take you around and show you around if you ever want to do like a couple days. 
because you can't get hotels because they make you stay for four nights or whatever. But you come, yeah, yeah. You, you, you come stay with me. I'll, I'll, I'll take Terry and kind of because it's in Atlanta next year. So maybe you can come to Atlanta and, like and, and do our do your show a couple times from Atlanta. But but a couple things. Number one is you come here because of there's different meetings we have to go to. So there's head coaches meetings. There's I'm on, I'm on the Congress uh, for the NABC. There's ethics meetings. Um, there's we're working right now on the new transfer portal and what's going to happen in transfers. Uh, we're, we're working on right now the new rules because the rules are up this year. I think the 22nd offensive rebound shot clock reset is going to come into play. So we do a lot of that stuff. Also, there's a lot of vendors up here. So there's a lot of people we either spend time with or spend money on. Synergy Sports, uh, Cancun, um, and all those people are here. So we go around and we visit those people, see some new things, maybe some new products. And then there's clinicians. I've been able, I've been very, really blessed to do a couple of them um, um, since I've been a coach. There's clinicians. So you walk around, you listen, you learn. And, and, and the greatest thing, I think, Brent, I think, you, I think the same thing happens for you when, let's say, you go to the Super Bowl and you meet and you're around your peers and you're listening. There's a lot of affirmation. And you really understand who you are and what you've done and where you've grown to. That doesn't mean you can't get better. That doesn't yeah. mean you're not trying to learn. Because I'm 54, and I know i got to get better. Like, we can't have a six-game losing streak. i got to do a better job. But my point is that affirmation. And then, and then on top of all that, my wife is really um, she's soaked into this coach's wife's uh, a group called The Gathering. And, and, you know, divorce rate is very high in our profession and because of a lot of different reasons. So my wife gets to pour into all these young wives and try to help them work their way through being fired, work their way through changing cities, work their way through my daughter's going to be a senior at this high school, but we're taking another job. So it's a lot, a lot of stuff. That's really cool. That's oh, a really good cool. insight. I'm glad you shared some of that. Uh, let me ask you, because you are on all these committees and you're around it, yep. What's uh, can you pick out one or two things that bothers you about the college game that you'd like to see changed in terms of a rule or, or something silly that you think is happening as the, as the game continues to evolve? Is there something that okay. like you really have a soapbox about? Well, are you talking about the game itself or are you talking about college basketball? Well, you, you, you take me wherever you want to go. Which one? Whatever okay, one bothers okay. you more. <laughs> let's, go, let's go one of each. So, so let, 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 let's go the game itself. The game itself has been great. It's always been great. And the changes that we've made to it over the last, let's say, five to seven years has caused more scoring, has caused more excitement, has caused all those different things. The one thing that really worries me is that we're going to try to change the game too much. And we're going to try to implement, 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 widen the lane, kick the three-point line back further. All those things that we're trying to do because players are getting bigger, faster, stronger, and better. And, and my thing is, it was great for a long time, but we never touched it. We just touched it to, re, to change some things that needed to be changed because of bigger, faster, stronger. Why don't we hold steady and let the purity of the game be what it is and continue to allow it? to really, really manifest because it is truly the greatest, the amount of money that's made and the purity and the excitement, and everybody knows what March Madness is. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it, so to speak. And I think we're trying to over-tweak it. And so from the game, from the college basketball standpoint, we will never, in my opinion, we'll never get a handle, Brent, on guys who are going to cheat and pay for players. 
I don't care what they do. I don't care how they change it. it if, if cash is involved, you can't trace cash. You know, remember the old story about the recruit whose, whose coach went to the uh, casino and he won $10,000 uh, every time he went for 10 weeks? Well, that's how they gave him their $100,000. So, you know, you can't trace cash. So cheating is always going to be a part of our game. But it's the 3% or the 2% that are doing it. And, and, and we're, we're, we're overgoing this whole deal about kind of how we're changing so many things. And what's going to happen is, well, the transfer portal is going to go to a whole nother level if we end up going to a, a but basically a minor league system where, you know, kids can just transfer freely and never have to sit out. I wish they would just make a rule where every kid when he transfer has to sit out no matter what. And, 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 and there's no more of this Miami football guy who goes from, you know, Ohio State to Miami and all of a sudden he gets an automatic free pass. He's eligible right away. Like th- those things – those things, if you want to transfer and go to school, then you should be applauded for it. You should be, uh, that should be a proud thing, and you should want to be in school and get a better degree and get a better life for yourself. Not get immediately eligible so I can help this team win a championship and then everything be done. And hey, hey Eddie Fogler, is that, yep. So, so, <laughs> so, so that would be the two things. Yeah, Coach, are, are you being pulled away from something? So do you only have a couple minutes? No, 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 no. I got oh, as much time oh. as you want. Eddie Fogler just walked up to me and I, no. I didn't want to be rude to him. No, 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 no. You're fine. I, I just want to check. He was an a coach. Because I want to ask you something about that, and I'm going to disagree with you on, a, on an element of that. And okay. the the reason I say it is, I believe, and I think it's a little bit less in your sport, but I believe in football it happens more, and I think there is a tendency in your sport. I think coach. Hey, coach. I apologize. It sounds like Austin and Brent may have dropped out here for just a second. Yeah, what happened? Sorry, I, I think the guys might have had a Wi-Fi connection, and uh, they may have dropped off a little bit. So uh, I guess just tell while while I try to get them back, just tell us about what's going on uh, and what what you're doing up at the Final Four a little bit more, uh, and I'll get them back on for you. Okay. So 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 tonight I'm going to meet up, and, and part of my life of growing through the basketball world. I've met a lot of coaches, and there's been a group of us. We were Division two guys. I was a Division one assistant, some NAI, some junior college. So us or guys are going to get together and talk basketball um, coming up, and we're going to you know, sit down over a meal and, and talk about how to get better. When we turned the corner with Bo Beach, one of the guys, Lenny Acuff, who's in this group, he was actually one of the guys that I met with and talked with, and we changed our offense a little bit because they had a guy like Bo so we tweaked our offense, and it became one of the greatest things that we've done. We still do it to this day. So, again, as you get older, you never want to not continue to learn. So, so that's going to go on tonight. Tomorrow, I got meetings all day, and and and, and really trying to help the game and help our sport and, and do those kind of things. So, and then the games. I'll go to the games with my son tomorrow. I usually don't go to the games, um, but I'm going to go to the game with my son tomorrow, who's a, a GA at uh, Old Roberts. He played for us in North Florida. And we're going to spend the night together so that we can spend some time together because we haven't been together very long. Coach, I think uh, it's Brent and Austin again. I think we checked out for a moment. Okay, so, uh, go, back, so go, back, so go back to your – even in our sport so, a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, so my question basically is I, I'm disagreeing with you a little bit from the transfer segment uh, – uh, transfer principle. I do think players at 16 years old, 15 years old, 17 years old get promised things – that aren't always delivered on by coaches. And again, I'm not saying across okay. the board, but so I okay. feel like I feel like the coach has that power. And I use like, and again, I understand it's a need to win. That's important as well. But 
like I use Georgia to an example, and I think Georgia's got a great program in football. But they brought three five stars in in a row. And you know, like in my opinion, they promised each one of those, hey, you're going to win a Heisman Trophy here, you're going to win a national championship here. Right, That's right, why you're going right. to come here. And so, but then they bring the next five-star guy in, and even though that original five-star kid is a really good player, the next one might be a shade better than him. And so they, okay. that kid's supposed to stay there and not, and then have to sit out a year, even though he did like the best he could. Uh, you know, the Kelly Bryant situation with Clemson was a great example. I mean, Devil Swinney made the right choice. They won a national championship because they put Trevor Lawrence in. He was better. But, I mean, the, the Kelly Bryant kid had lost two games in, like, two years. What else was he supposed okay, let's, to do? Okay, let's, let, 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 let's talk about this. You want to talk about this? Yeah. Okay, let's, so, so I, I got to interject, though, because you're going too many different things that I can't cover that I need to cover. <laughs> let's talk about – no, 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 because I think this is great. Let's talk about Lawrence. So the very first game Lawrence played, just so you know, he was almost done for the rest of the season. Remember? Because he almost got hurt. Against yeah. Wake Forest. Yeah, yeah, the very, very first – it was like the very first quarter. You know, so so here's the guy. So let's go back to – he promises five-star after five-star after five-star. You know, when we bring guys in, we don't bring in guys and say, listen, you play behind Yvonne Gondea Rosa, and then the next three years, if you're good enough, you'll have a chance. We say no. Come in and compete. Try to compete for minutes. Try to compete the starting. Like, you know, there's guys coming off benches at Lipscomb that are 1,100-point scorers that used to be starters. Well, Kenny Cooper yeah. is better than Nathan Moran. So, you know, if, if, but let me ask you this question, Brent. The same scenario you just gave me, isn't that what happened at Ohio State? I mean, didn't Ohio State have, like, three unbelievable quarterbacks in a row that played one year that are all guys that, are, that, that were, that were going to be – am I right? Yeah, they did, and and then another I mean, so, so, good guy. So and, and then when he waits, but the guy waits his turn, and then they get a five-star transfer in that's even better. So the guy waited his turn Correct. for two years, and now he's not going to be able Correct. to play. Correct. Well, so he transfers to Miami. He sits out, and then he gets a chance to play. Well, I know, but you don't. I think what you're saying though is you don't like that idea that he got to go play right away, right? But I just said he sits out. That, that's the difference I said. He goes, yeah, he yeah. sits out, then he plays because he wants to go to Miami. Well, guess what? Right. Let me ask you this question. Well, let me ask you this question. He goes to Miami, and he's going to be this dude. Well, what if the dude they brought in as a high school kid is better than him? Yeah. Now what's he going to do? Now what's he going to do? He's going yeah, to he's he's leave. He's going to well, or he's going to leave because in the summer he's going to see he's not going to play and he's going to leave. Okay, so let me go to this point. So then why don't we do this? Why don't we say that every kid who transfers is, can do it one time and he's automatically eligible? Okay. So that's I, what, that you're that's what you're saying. Yeah, I so that's what you're saying. So that's what they do in volleyball. That's what they do in softball. That's what they do in all these other sports. It's called oh, – oh, it, it's an immediate – you get one time to transfer and you're automatically eligible. I could meet in the middle on that. I think that's a nice meet in the middle. Yeah, I like that idea. I think that's a good meet in the middle idea. I really like that. that you idea. with us? Yeah. Yeah, do you yeah, like, I like that I like idea? It. Okay, I love it. well, then I... let me ask you a question. So we do that, right? We let those guys one-time transfer. So now, schools like ours, we become a junior college or a prep school. Because you think someone's not going to try to convince Dallas Moore to come to Florida or Florida State or, or wherever he wants to go, not have to sit out. And it's, now, 
if Dallas has great character and Dallas thinks North Florida is where he should stay. So now people are out there, you know, uh, poking our guys because then they don't have to sit out. They're automatically eligible. So now you've got guys that you've turned into stars, guys that that, that they missed on, or, or, or Brent, they have a special need all of a sudden. Like they, like their guy went pro. He was a one and done. They didn't think he was right. Uh, you know. So then he goes pro, and now now your guy gets poached. So if we want to do it, okay, do it. Well, that's what's going to occur. Yeah. So yeah. all the really good players in what is there? There's 65 Power Five schools. You know, let's say there's 80. You know, whatever you want to call those guys, the big big boys or whatever. There's like 270 of us. So we're going to become a junior college or a prep school, and that's how we'd have to recruit it. We'd be like, hey, yeah, Brent, yeah. you come here, put up your numbers, and if you're good enough, then you can transfer to Florida or Florida State. So don't sit on the bench at one of those schools. Come here and develop yourself, and that you see, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I hear. Hey, listen, I'm a I'm a mid-major kind of guy. I love that stuff. So if you're, and, and I get your point, and I wouldn't want to hurt the mid-majors in that regard. So I understand. It I, would. Let me let me go one more step with you because chauffeur Bob. No, let's do it. I, I love show. this. I absolutely and he's, love and, this. This and is and real he just tw- He tweeted in a question, and he said. Something. Uh, there's people. Uh, chauffeur Boz, a guy on Twitter okay. uh, that's listening okay. to the show and listening to this discussion. By the way, Josh, Josh Watson said hello, FYI. <laughs> that's a man, Josh Watson. Uh, check out he our story. He is not on wearing his candy striped pants. Baseball. Go ahead. <laughs> Hopefully, he's making a free throw or two. But uh, yeah, well, the, <laughs> uh, but he wants to. He he raises the question: Should coaches have any penalty then for moving on? Right. From, right. And, and right. should they have to sit out, or should there right. be a stipulation on jumping around jobs for coaches? And I, right. let me just give you my thought on that, Coach. I I do think it's a you never end the cycle of recruiting, so you you never can just say okay after four years because there's always a next class that's after four years. So I do think it's difficult, um, and I'm not sure what the logical logical solution for a coach jumping ship every one year, two years, three years is. So so so. Just like players, right, you're going to say to yourself, well, how can you take away a person's opportunity to better themselves? They yeah. feel like, you know, whatever. So that would be one thing. Number two is when guys leave programs, you know, obviously guys can leave and transfer. Nothing can stop them because they can get hearings. They can get they can get all that kind of stuff, and they're going to win them. Um, so they can leave, and then guys can get out of their NLI. Now, some schools fight it for whatever reason. I think that's what we're meeting on tomorrow to try to stop that nonsense as well, too. But I, I hear that all the time. I, 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 I feel that all the time, um, and, and I get that all the time. So maybe, so maybe my solution is, is maybe the best one and just say everybody can transfer once, and then the second time you have to sit out. Um, and the other thing is, you know, if a kid sits out, what's what's so bad about going to school for another year and maybe starting on your master's? And it's not the end of the world. And if you're good yeah, enough yeah, to true. leave and go pro, if you're good enough to leave and go pro, or you want to go overseas and you get your degree, then leave and go pro. Yeah, but I, I, but, so but I but I, but I don't good. disagree. That's the biggest thing out right now. Like everybody's like, well, you know, Buzz Peterson just took the A and M job, and then somebody made a great point. They said, well, Buzz was there for five years, therefore he's a grad transfer automatically. Eligible. <laughs> I mean, you know, so but 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 you see my point. You know, people are yeah. starting to make jokes about that. Like, well, he's a grad transfer, so he's automatically eligible. So, I think, I think probably at the end of the day, I think we go to that one time. You get to transfer one time without 
you know, whatever. And then after that, you know, you got to sit out. And the other thing, too, Brent, that's on the table is if a coach gets fired or a coach leaves to take another job, everybody on the team gets to transfer. Yeah. Really no tough penalty. for the incoming coach. Really tough for the incoming coach. But I think you yeah, brought up no. great points about the mid majors, and, and I'm, I'm again, I'm a fan of the mid majors. So if it hurts the mid majors, I'm not excited about the idea that coach. Do me a favor, Matthew Driscoll from the Final Four in Minneapolis uh, with us on ESPN 690 right now, and we're going deep here. We got our scuba gear on, and so much so that I've hogged the microphone. So can you at least say hi to Austin Lane? Oh no, you're all good, man. Hey, I was letting you guys go back and forth, man. All good. Hey, no worries. Hey Austin. Hey Austin. Let me tell you something yeah. about what you're doing. Like, I had no feel for what you're doing. I had no interest in what you're doing. And about a month ago, maybe six weeks, my wife was out of town, and I actually got thrown into the ESPN night, the UCF stuff. Okay. And and, and, and uh, not UCF, the UFC stuff. I'm UCF. I was thinking about the uh, the night. And, 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 and I never watched it before in my life. I've only seen clips and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something now. It's like, what is it, three rounds of five minutes? or what? Tell me what the timing is. Yeah, so anytime you turn professional, it's going to be three rounds of five minutes. Yeah, that's what it was. And I'm sitting yes. there. on. And I'm, now, I don't do this often, but I actually sat <laughs> yeah. on my ottoman with my like my legs up, like almost like I was sitting on a bench during a game. And I thought to myself, holy cow. Like, this is real. <laughs> like, this is like skin on skin. Like, this is – look at the athleticism. Look at the timing. Look at the, the way in which these guys are calculated. Look at how this guy's going – Southpaw, though he really wants because he understands the scouting. I mean, yeah. there's so much more. It, 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 I think people think it's like you know Kimbo Slice, like he's coming yeah. out, he's getting out of the back of an Uber, and then you, know, yeah. you guys are going to fight for a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Um, Coach, uh, but, I mean, but, but, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go amazing. ahead. It is, you know, and and it's so funny. I always say it like this: it, it is such a complicated sport, but at the same time, it's so simple because at the end of the day, you have to think about it. You're either trying to literally touch someone's button on their chin and KO them, or you're trying to choke them out. So you're, you're literally trying to do two things. But there's a million different ways to get to those two things. So that's what makes the sport so great. Uh, and that's obviously one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of it. Listen, but go back to what you just said. You have to take a break. No, no, we're no, good. No, 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 we're good. But go back to what you just said, which is interesting in athletics, is jumbo shrimp playing tonight. Right, Iceman, you know, playoffs, whatever. The Sharks are coming up in the starter season. But, like, everything that everybody does when you play football, like, the bottom line is the least amount of thinking that you do, the more successful you're going to be. So if you can take the thinking out of the process and do all the preparation going into it, now you're on instinct after instinct after instinct. You're probably a champion. Absolutely. With, without a doubt, because you have to remember with fighting, too, people think it's so physical. I would say fighting is probably 90% mental, you know, and oh, that's boy. where your training camp comes in. Because, listen, uh, thankfully, every every single fight that I've stepped into, I was prepared. But I'm aware of some guys who maybe slack off a little bit during training camp, and they go into the cage, and they almost have to lie to themselves, saying that they're ready when they're really not. And when and you have to lie to yourself, walk into their cage, exactly, and and in, deep down when your heart knows that you aren't ready for the fight, man, that's a heck of a thing to be a, a, entering, you know, some combat with. So and, I definitely and, and, agree and with you. And that's athletics, what people don't understand. Like, everybody thinks that, they, like, you know, we, we all use the word mental because it, it gets to the mind. But the yes. mind it doesn't have anything to do with your heart. Like, your heart controls everything you do. 
It's not your mind. Your heart's telling your mind. So if your heart's pure and your heart knows you're ready to attack or your heart knows what you need to do, because sometimes you want to take a 30-second breather. So you're dancing around or you're, you know, you're playing along the cage or you're doing different things. You're in and out. And the announcer's like, you know, he looks like he's tiring. No, he's not. This joker's trying to catch his breath. So he, can, so he can be more effective. You know what I mean? Exactly. Coach, Coach. It's on, Hope I didn't give your secret my... up. No, 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 no. You're all good. You're all good. It's, it's, it's on my heart to ask this one question, and I really have to ask two more questions because you're at the Final Four. But I've got to ask you this. You've been to By the, the way, NCAA I'm tournament. right now talking. Yeah, I'm <laughs> you, you've been to the NCAA tournament. Lipscomb plays for an NIT championship tonight in New York City uh-huh. at Madison Square Garden. Uh-huh. Next year. If I give you the two options, first four game or the NIT championship final, which one would you take? First four. So so 2016, Valparaiso did the same thing Lipscomb's doing right now. They had a player named Alex Peters who was a pro, like Harrison Matthews. And, um, you know, when you get going in the tournament, you know, a couple things happen, Brent, that you know. You get on neutral court, different things can happen. When you get different officials, different things can happen. Both teams the other night shot 36%. So it wasn't like both teams were just going crazy. But what's crazy is, and Austin, you'll appreciate this, Andrew Fleming is the one to hit the first three. Nathan Moran hit a 28-foot bomb. Those two, one played seven minutes, one played 13. The one kid was a starter, an 1,100-point score, and he was relegated to the bench because the other kids were better than him. So he could have quit and cried to mommy and did all that stuff. And instead, he's in, he, you know he he fought through it and, and understood where his heart was, and now he's in Madison Square Garden. So, you know, I, to me, Amazing. you you play in the NCAA tournament, you 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 go to the you go to whatever you are based on how well you did during the year, and 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 and, and that's what's the most critical. Because if you've done that, Brent, that means you won your league. That means you won your league championship. That they, you know, there's a lot more to it than just you know which tournament you're in. Here's the crazy thing, Brent. If, if we don't beat Liberty. They don't finish in the tie for first, and who knows what would have happened with Lipscomb, you know, if they even would have got in or they would have been a different seed in the NIT, you know, but they end up being in the tie because of our win over Liberty. So you go back to what Austin said and about fighting in MMA, and you look at that, what he exactly what he said. Like, we lost those games, and they were tied. Two of them were tied. One of them was a one-point game. They were all last possession games, except for the Kennesaw and, and, and Lipscomb games were the first four. And think about the mental approach. Think about what you had to do in those moments. And then as an athlete, you had to perform. We always call it it's, it's sphincter time. Like, you know, it's time to make – well, but but it's true. You know, it's yeah. time that you've got to go out there and perform when it's a little bit when it's a little bit tight. And yeah, um, yeah. Um, so, so you know, and, and that's what people don't – you know, sometimes people don't understand they're 18 to 22-year-old kids. You know? Yeah, that's exactly. absolutely. Well, we right, talked about one. a lot, man. What? Yeah, I know. We haven't even talked we got, about the games yet. I, well, no, I know, and I got to end on that. And uh, I oh. feel like, and you don't have to answer it this way, and I might just say it, and then you can go wherever you want. I feel like the coaching fraternity is rooting for Tony Bennett to win this for Virginia. I feel like that from the outside. I have no idea who Tony Bennett. Is. I don't know him. I just feel like let he me seems throw, like let, a very classy yeah, let me guy. Throw, let me throw a couple things at you. First of all, okay. I think I think Belmont got in for a lot of the right reasons because they should have got in, but I think the fact that everybody knew Rick was retiring and Fran Dumpy was retiring, they beat Lipscomb twice, Greensboro never beat Wofford, so they could always say they beat uh, Murray State, so therefore two guys retiring get to play, <laughs> and one of them is going to get a win on their way out, so I thought that yeah. was pretty cool. Louisville, Minnesota, you know, I think they gave a jab 
to try to get, you know, at, at, at Patino. And maybe maybe this is all Illuminati stuff, but I don't know. But but the other thing about what you just said, they come in 16th last year and lose to the number 16, and everybody thinks the end of the world's coming now. You know, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. So I think that most people think the way you're thinking, but I think in the back of their hearts, I think they're thinking about they lost to UMBC. I, I really think they're going to beat Auburn because I think they're going to, 21 seconds, they take the shoot. They're going to limit the possession. not going to get as many threes. Uh, Auburn's such a high-volume three-point attempter that they don't have to be great shooting. They can still make 13 to 15 because they take so many. And I think Michigan State's going to wear out Texas Tech, so Texas Tech is really good. And I think it's going to be Michigan State, Virginia. I like Michigan State. Wow. How about good. that? Tom Izzo. We'll get into the Tom Izzo stuff maybe at a later date. Yeah. <laughs> I need to come hey. in. I need to come in and hang out with you guys. Yeah, yeah you, you do, man. Hey. Absolutely. Yeah, have a good open door you policy air, for you. Yeah, you guys got air conditioning in there? Because, I mean, I am roasting right now. <laughs> hey, you hey, I'm at the Marriott out. stand, and I am pivoting back and forth, and people are looking at me like, holy cow, who's this guy? <laughs> I wonder what your step count is right now on that phone. <laughs> hey, you said we got to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, so we'll go to break with that. Let's we say it. goodbye to you. Enjoy the Final Four, but uh, let's start it up a little. Take and a one. me out to the two. ball game. Ball game. Take me out with the crowd. <laughs> Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. I don't care if I ever come back and it's root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, one, two, two, three strikes, three strikes out at, out the, at the old, old ball game. game. Matthew Driscoll, have fun at the final Killed board. it, man. That's right. ESPN 690. Have a good one. We're having some fun at the Street Fest Street Party outside the baseball grounds here at Bragan Field. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp start the season tonight, opening day in baseball. A few things better. It starts a week later than the Major League Baseball season. But uh, eyes on minor league baseball here in Jacksonville, really all across the country as minor league baseball starts up in a lot of different places, including Syracuse. Tim Tebow will make his AAA debut tonight up there in Syracuse for the Mets AAA organization. And here in Jacksonville, the Miami Marlins AA affiliate is the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And we've got a nice crowd already out here uh, in the 4 o'clock hour. First pitch is not until a little bit after 7 o'clock tonight. But uh, everybody out and about and getting ready. Doors open at 6 o'clock. So come on down to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Thursday night opener. Here to uh, open the season. The season lid lifter, if you will, for 2019 in the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos back there. (laughs) Matthew Driscoll, uh, UNF basketball coach. Man, we went far deeper than I ever thought we'd go. That was very deep, but um, a lot of good information there. I mean, you know, when it comes to Coach Driscoll, he knows his stuff, whether it's basketball or just, uh, you know, just everyday college issues that we're talking about. Um, it was some good stuff there. Yeah, he was uh, he was really good on a lot of fronts. Uh, interesting, he thinks Michigan State has the best chance to win it all uh, here this weekend at the Final Four in Minneapolis. And he did invite us to Atlanta next year for the Final Four. Well, I think we he, might have to take him up on that. He invited you, but I'm definitely taking along there. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe there'll be like a UFC fight going on there too as well we can go check yeah, out. Yeah, I think he, it sounded like he might want to go with I'm you. I'm sure he would take me up on that offer without a doubt. All right, so here's the deal. We get a, I got a text today. We always talk about the show last night. You you send an email, although I might not have sent you one yesterday. Nope, you but, didn't. It's uh, all good, though. Uh, we usually talk about what we're going to talk about, or at least, you know, start firing up some ideas. And, well, earlier today, got a text from Austin on the group text, and it said, something, actually, let me just read it. <laughs> Coos 
Get that button ready. Let me read it. It said, I broke down the, quote, deepest tight end drafts in history and analyzed how many guys were actually successful from those classes and why a deep tight end class is bull bleep in terms of value. Yes. I think uh, Coos probably thought I was going there for a second. Uh, I thought you were going to for sure. Uh, So... All right, take well, it away, Austin Lane. Yeah, so I, I hogged the microphone the last segment. Oh, good, yes, yeah, my time, especially too, because we have a little Miley Cyrus playing in the background. <laughs> Just what I needed to get my uh, tight end talk underway. Listen, this whole thing came about, and it's not like I was searching for this topic or anything. This topic actually kind of found me. I was looking at a bunch of mock drafts uh, with ESPN, Sports Illustrated, uh, and then some smaller websites. And listen, there's two things that are evident. Either the Jaguars are going to take an offensive lineman or they're going to go on the defensive line. And now, don't get me wrong. There are some guys, and there it, it's kind of a rare breed now, that have the Jaguars taking TJ Hawkinson. But from what I gathered from looking at all these mock drafts and even listening to talking heads, whether it's ESPN Radio or anybody really, I mean, on, on the NFL Network as well, that they're all saying that the Jaguars could take a tight end later in the draft and it would be fine because why? It's a deep tight end draft here's one of my issues with it and listen i'm no tight end expert but the beauty with this radio gig that i have now is i can be a free thinker i can go against the traditional ways of thinking and how am i going to do that i'm going to use my five years of nfl experience and playing experience in college and i'm going to use the tight ends that i've gone against and i'm going to you know i'm going to come up with i guess a hypothesis and eventually get to a decision so here's here's what i think regarding the whole tight end uh, deep draft this year. I think it's absolutely BS, and here's a couple reasons why. Number one, Nick Foles doesn't need a a value tight end. Nick Foles needs a tier one tight end. Now, when I say tier one, I'm thinking top five tight ends in the NFL are tier one. Brent, I mean, obviously we can agree Zach Ertz is tier one. Kelsey's tier one. Kittle, I'll put him tier one. Let's go Ebron. Maybe even Ebron's tier one. But, well, the numbers but that's off debatable. last year dictate yeah. Kittle and, and Ebron, but just exactly. last year. Yeah, but that's last year, but that's what I'm going with. That's all we have to go with, right? So, well, on Kittle it is. On well, Ebron, his first four years were a bust. Okay, but so from that perspective, based on last year's stats, I'm putting those guys tier one. When you talk about tier two, I don't know, I guess Ninjoku, Austin Hooper, Evan Ingram, but it's not like those numbers are really coming off the page. So here's my point. The tight end is a different position where you can't really have a tier one, a tier two, a tier three. At quarterback, I could go tier one, tier two all day. I, I, I could list through the top ten quarterbacks right now and have no issues with it. There's going to be some debate, but it's deeper. Same thing with wide receiver, same thing with pass rusher. So keep that in mind right now as I start to break down some of these past drafts of a deep tight end talent and tier one, tier two, tier three. Okay, so as I did my research, I, I found out that the, probably the two drafts that would relate to people these days would be the 2017 draft and then also the 2010 draft, which I was a part of. So let's break down the 2017 draft quick. Now, there's only 14 tight ends taken, but from what I analyzed, the, the, the picks where they're taken, it was some of the biggest depth in the NFL at the time because a lot of the picks went in the first five rounds. So let's go ahead and break down this supposed deep tight end class of 2017. In the first round, three tight ends were taken. O.J. Howard with the 19th pick, Evan Ingram, David Njoku. I would hardly call any of those guys tier one guys. Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't do it. Now, the second round, Gerald Everett 
And Adam Shaheen, who's actually from Ashland, if I'm not yes, mistaken. Yes, he is. Well, well, he'll be on the verge of Tier 1. You don't worry about okay, him. Okay, I mean, is this even Tier 3 right now? Let's be honest. No, I, I haven't really heard much of him from the Bears. So those are two guys. Gerald Everett, obviously from the Rams, and then Adam Shaheen. Two guys that haven't really contributed a lot. Everett made it to the Super Bowl, but trust me, it wasn't on his pass-catching abilities. Third round of that draft, Jonu Smith, Titans. Another guy where you, you've heard his name before, but not a, a real game-changer. Fourth round, Michael Roberts. Fifth round, Jake Butt. Enter George Kittle, pick 146. And then we got Jordan Leggett, Jeremy Sprinkle, Eric Sauber, and that's it. So... From that supposed deep, deep tight end draft, the only guys that are sticking out to me are George Kittle, obviously a huge pick for the San Francisco 49ers at pick 146, got, got themselves a tier one tight end. Everybody else, I don't know how I feel about it. O.J. Howard has potential, but Cameron Brait was eating a lot of his reps. Evan Ingram, when he's healthy, he could be a game changer, but he hasn't been healthy. Now that since, you know, although Beckham Jr. is gone, maybe Ingram comes into his own. And David Njoku has been a pleasant surprise, but once again, I'm not going to put him in the elite category just yet. Well, to, to your point right there, too, I, I jump in. The the names are bigger than the games in a lot of those guys since. You know, the Evan Ingrams of the world, we heard so much about him. He's going to be yeah. great. He's going to be great. He's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, he's been okay, mm-hmm. you know. Now, George Kittle's a different story. We didn't hear about George Kittle hardly at all, and bam, he comes out and, and is awesome. So, uh, just, I agree with I think I agree with you. I mean, that, again, it just... It also goes to show, and as you continue this demonstration, mm-hmm. it's not easy to get an elite tight end in the NFL. No, that's it's why not. They're, that's why you're starving for him here in Jacksonville, too. Yeah, so then when you, when you get past the fifth round, uh, four other guys were taken, and those guys I don't think are even in the league anymore, so it doesn't really make any sense to, to target them. So from that perspective, that was the 2017 draft where it was supposed to be one of the deepest tight end drafts in NFL history. Now let's go to 2010, which is arguably, and this is according to draft experts, and I'm going to say according to myself as well because I actually agree with them. Uh, It doesn't happen all the time, but I do agree. In the 2010 draft class, there were 20 tight ends that were taken in the draft. Now, there's only one first-round pick, Jermaine Gresham. In the second round, you had Rob Gronkowski, Hall of Famer. So there you go. And then in the third round, Ed Dickinson. Who, uh, was, who was drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know, it seems like every single year the Baltimore Ravens draft at least 25 tight ends. They try, like, yeah, yeah. don't they? So now let's might, go and Might have a little to do with Ozzy Newsom. Uh, maybe a little bit. So <laughs> let's, let's keep going to the third round. There was Tony Milwaukee, who got drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs, a former teammate of mine, and Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham, for a couple years, was obviously a game changer. Went to Seattle, had an okay career, went to Green Bay, and for whatever reason, with an elite quarterback, his career kind of died. In the fourth round, Aaron Hernandez, who I think at the time, and I'll take everything away from it, as a football player, Aaron Hernandez was a special talent. He would have been really good. Him and, him and Gronk, I, yeah, him and Gronk, I think, were special players. Uh, also in the fourth round, you had Dennis Pitta, Garrett Graham, and Clay Harbor. Garrett Graham had an okay career in Houston. Dennis Pitta, uh, another guy for Baltimore. I think, yeah, I know another one. But yeah. I think Pitta's good. Okay, you right? think he's good. I mean, I'm not saying he's Rob Gronkowski, no, but he's sure. been very, very, he was very reliable for a long time. I think he was one of the main weapons for Flacco for a good stretch of years. I'm going to go and give you that, but... I'm going to say above average guy. Above average. Better. Okay, there you go. Uh, in the fifth round, we had Michael Humanawi, which... Yes. Yeah, from, from Illinois, tight end. L.A. selected him. Andrew Corliss and Did Rory Humanawi, Eldridge. Was, he was with Cincinnati for a while, wasn't he? 
Um, I think he ended up with Cincinnati. Possibly, okay. Yeah, but I mean, once again, my point in the fifth round. Yeah. No one's really knocking your yep. socks off in the fifth round. Everybody knows him for more so for his Wheel of Fortune name. Exactly. By and, a vowel. <laughs> can you put one in there? <laughs> and then, uh, and then after the fifth round, eight guys were selected in the sixth round or later of that NFL draft, bringing the total to 20 players. And nobody of note. Nobody of note at all. Nobody. So of those 20 players selected in the 2010 draft class, let's go ahead and say, because to me, J- Jermaine Gresham, I get it. He was a late round, first round pick. I don't think he was really that great of a player. I played against him a couple of times. He was known more for his run blocking, but from a first-round pick perspective, I think he underachieved. Uh, yeah, Rob, I think if you're a first-round tight end, you're expected to go to five or seven Pro Bowls. Exactly. Uh, so from that perspective, Rob Gronkowski obviously is a, is a Hall of Famer. Aaron Hernandez, I think, was a great pickup in the fourth round. Dennis Pitta, Brent likes him. I don't mind him either. And then I think Garrett Graham was okay, uh, but just okay. So that's what, maybe three and a half guys. Did you have from, Jimmy Graham on that list? Was he on that one? Yes, yeah, I said Jimmy Graham. Oh, I'm sorry, you yeah. said Garrett Graham. No, I'm so sorry, maybe I did. Okay, okay. so yeah, so she, but Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham, yeah. So from that list, maybe three, three and a half guys that actually that amounted a to any tight end class. That, that's, a, that's, that's the best one. And there's, a, there's another great one in 2002, but at that point with Jeremy Shockey, whatnot, I think the tight end position was a little it's different, different. than different. it is now. So yeah. that's why I didn't include that one. But 2010 had a nice class. I mean, yeah. you found two potential Hall of Famers Yeah. In, in terms of, well, if one didn't go kill everybody, in uh, mm-hmm. Gronkowski and Hernandez. So getting back to my point of Tier 1 tight ends that have come out in, in these supposed deep drafts, you only have really Aaron Hernandez and you have George Kittle in the fourth round and later. Okay. Everything else has been before the third round. So now let's go analyze this draft class coming up. A deep tight end class, and I say that in quotes. I get it. There's a lot of talent towards the, towards the late rounds of the draft. Don't get me wrong. But let's be honest here. You have three tight ends that could be game changers, I feel like, in the, in the next level. You got TJ Hawkinson from Iowa, Noah Fant from Iowa, and then you got Irv Smith from Alabama. Those guys are all slated to go in the first round. Now things could change, trades could happen, yes. I would say top 40 at the worst. Exactly, thank you for my point. So, top 40 at the worst, those three guys are gone. Kind of like some Miley Cyrus music. Yeah, so to me, <laughs> those are the tier one guys. Those are the guys that could be pro bowlers, that could eventually be Hall of Famers, especially the way people are breaking up Hawkinson. He's supposed to be like the next reincarnation of Rob Gronkowski. Now, is that fair? Probably not, but it gets your attention. Yeah. Okay? So now, so here's my point. If all the experts and all the analysts and all the talking heads are saying, ah, Jacksonville can afford to wait, they can afford maybe go a third or fourth round pick on a tight end, it's a deep tight end class, what exactly does that mean? Because like I said in the beginning of my argument, Nick Foles needs a top tight end talent. They don't have that on the team right now. No offense to George Swim, no offense to everybody else that's on the depth chart right now. They don't have an elite pass catcher. Now, Josh Oliver is a guy I like a lot. He's supposed to be slated maybe in the third or fourth round from San, San, San Diego State. But even the draft scouts, even the guys that are, that are the bigwigs are saying, well, he's a tight end two right now at best. There are no tight end ones past Irv Smith going probably last uh, out of that group. So you can say, you can sit here and say, oh, well, it's a deep tight end class. It's not a big deal if the Jaguars don't draft in the first round, get Hawkinson, get Thant. And I say, I beg to differ. I think with, with the stats that I've just given, the fact that 
even in these deep tight end classes with college talent, it does not always amount to the NFL skill, especially at the tight end position. If I'm Jacksonville, I'm taking tight end first round, or I'm trading back, and hopefully someone's going to be there at tight end. Well, so one of those three would be there if you trade back in the first round at some yeah. point. So yes. no doubt about it, if you like all three of them to a degree. Is it fair to say, do you think, as you go through this demonstration and, and did some of the research, uh, which is good stuff, I, I, I was kind of thinking to myself, all right, it's not as it's hard to still find a franchise quarterback. But is the tight end position the next position to find an elite player in terms of difficulty in the in the NFL draft? I mean, is it I absolutely I think so. I think it is the hardest position right now. I mean, and it's, it's, I shouldn't say hardest because at the end of the day quarterback is the most important spot. Well, but that's even, why I said I took the quarterback out of it for you. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, 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 yeah, exactly. But it, Next or is to, it an elite pass rusher? Still comes from the top ten picks most of the time. I know Yannick Ngakwe is a third round guy. Yeah, but there's not a lot of guys that are elite and Pro Bowlers that come from from the back middle end or back end of the draft. I guarantee there are more elite pass rushers that have come from the third round later than there have been productive tight ends in the NFL. And, I, well, you say tier one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, tight end. I mean, I can, I can go ahead and crunch those numbers some other time, but I guarantee that's the case. Well, yeah, I think that's kind of supports your argument. Like even at right tackle or pass rusher, where the Jaguars seemingly could fill need and have been linked to, right, uh, because of the depth in the pass rushing and a good player could fall, or right tackle because we know they need something more on the offensive line, I think you could make the case that you're more apt to find a second or third round right tackle that becomes very good, above yes. average, elite, knocks on the door of Pro Bowls, than you are tight ends. Unless yep. you're fortunate enough that an Irv Smith or someone like that slips to you in round number two, yep. which I do think if people are thinking that way, they're probably mistaken. I, I don't think Irv Smith, due to what you just said, I think Irv Smith belongs in that Tier 1 category, at least projecting him. And so I think he's going to be gone in the top 35 picks before the Jaguars pick in round number two. Exactly. And who knows? I'm not sure if the Jaguars share my line of thinking or not. But the fact that the best tight end, and I'm going to give him a bona fide Tier 2 in terms of production this past year, Jared Cook. Now, I understand that in Oakland was kind of a it was kind of a mess, especially when Cooper yeah. was gone. They didn't have a lot of weapons, but yeah, take away last year. Yeah, but but Jared Cook still produced. Okay, and the fact that from what I know, and maybe Brent sources can can uh, can fill me in one day, I feel like they didn't even snip, take a snip at Jared Cook. Well, and I uh, I I can't tell you that uh, 100% either way, but I will say this: Jared Cook is an aging player. And I think this organization has been very reluctant to take aging players. Give okay. me a guy in this organization that they've signed at the back, back end. Calais Campbell might be the closest to it. And he's not at the back end. He was 30 years old when they signed him. Mm-hmm. And can we think of another one? Um, I mean, they've got all 26, 28-year-old guys, 29-year-old guys. They don't have a lot of 31, 32, 33. <laughs> the only guy that's coming to my mind, this is a throwback. Matt Roth, a defensive end yeah, that they brought well, I'm in. I'm saying but, uh, this regime. Oh, That's I got you. Saying. This regime. This yeah, regime. Yeah, yeah. Oh, has, no. Yeah, I can't. Uh, to a fault at times, yeah. not taking the 30-year-old guy. Uh, yeah. You know, early on in this this build and this regime. Yeah. So I I think uh, I think I would be shocked if they did give, if they were going to kick the tires on, on uh, Jared Cook. So yeah, uh, yeah exactly. But so, so just to kind of, you know, put a little, uh, put a little bow on this whole thing, as Brent would always say, it is hard to find 
a tier one tight end. It is hard to find an elite tight end to help your team. So from that perspective, and I'm not in the Jaguars meeting rooms, I'm not in the GM room, I'm not in the scouting room, but I feel like we're, if you maybe have Hawkinson ranked as the number seven, number eight, maybe even the number ten overall uh, draft prospect, or maybe you have Fant ranked higher. And then if you have Juwan Taylor, the right tackle from Florida, if you have him ranked maybe like as number six or seven, and you're looking at yourself, it's like, well, we have Juwan Taylor ranked a little higher. That would be a good value get because he's ranked higher. Maybe there's a defensive tackle I haven't even mentioned that could get ranked higher. If you have your tight end in Hawkinson or Fan or maybe even Irv Smith for a giant curveball, if you have those guys that are ranked a little a little lower on your chart, not as high as some of the, the tackles or the defensive players, I feel like you got to pump your brakes a little bit because if you have those guys ranked that high, that means that they could be game changers at the tight end position. And as I just mentioned from the drafts before, history is showing us that finding a legit bona fide tight end one, a game changer, is almost impossible to find. Yeah, listen, it's well done, and it makes you think a little bit about it. Uh, you know, I think this lineman, receiver, tight end, pass rusher, whatever it is, this what you try to find with this pick, forget about positional value, is a five to seven time pro bowler. That's what you want. I don't know it doesn't always shape out that way, but that's what you have to ask yourself, especially when you might pick between positions. That's where I would lean toward, okay, I'm taking that guy because this guy's going to make the Pro Bowl. And by the way, at tight end, it might be easier to make Pro Bowl than it is a pass rusher. There's less of them to the point you just proved. Hey, the owner of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, Ken Babby, he's got a strange night. Why it's so weird? I'll tell you about it next on ESPN 690. Oh, Lane, you're so soft, man, when it comes to the sun. I know. My gosh. By the way, we can't take Brent Martineau anywhere. Why not? All these pictures and whatnot. Hey. It's kind of a big deal. Hey, don't worry about it, though. That's a terrible shirt. Shirt's awful. Brent's talking big now because I'm sitting right next to him. No, I'm not going to back you up if you get in a fight. Take name with the Yankees fan. I like it. I can take this guy. And and by the way, uh, you should probably know. So so someone came up to you, obviously a big fan of yours, and requested a picture. Yeah. What she did not. I was in the background uh, (laughs) being a stunt puller, let's just say, and she hasn't noticed yet. So I'm waiting for her to come back and demand a new picture. Yeah, they probably think I'm someone else. No, come on, man. What do you think you are, giant? what was it, Matt Damon? Yeah. Little Matt Damon little action? Matt Damon. It's all Brett right. Martinson, all right? He's, he's big Martinson. on TV here. Ah, it's Musburger. <laughs> That's Musburger. it, Brett Musburger. Uh, hey, Action Sports Jack, Stuart Weber checks it. Yeah. We got a little ba- i tell you what, I'm a little surprised. Yes, yeah, sir. He's got the hair going today, by the way. A little extra gel, a little extra product coming out here in the breeze. At Do the you want to talk sports or chemistry? I mean, I can talk either. We can talk. I know about, you can, sir. We can talk about the chemistry of this sports radio show. Could you name? Nice. Uh, that's good. Can you name the uh, the periodic table? Like, how many could you name? <laughs> A couple. Yeah. <laughs> Enough to win this competition between the three of us. Is oxygen on the periodic table? It is. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. There we go. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, I believe its periodic uh, number is eight. Wow. That's good. I got Do no one know, here to check me, so it's cool. You know, I can pe- say whatever. Brent, did you know what one is? The, the first one? I'm oh, oh yes. Brent. Come on, Brent. Water. Even I know that, H2O. Brent, that, that no. is not a... You're, no, you, not you got a it. You're right, table. though. Yeah, you're way. right. What's H? We're doing a, a lesson here. Hey, ding, 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 ding for coups in the, in the back. Yep. Well there done. 
Yeah. It's been a long time since. Mom's money right. really paid off in college, huh, Coos? That wasn't, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> hey, Coos, spell water. <laughs> no. Spell hydrogen. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a no. Yeah, he's no, not I'm sorry, anything. sorry. Board's acting funky on me. Mike wouldn't oh, turn on. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a good call. That's a good call. Somebody well, say well, hydrogen. Hey, get out of here. Built-in excuses with the board. All right, I'm hey, we saying. got a good little party going on out here right outside the baseball grounds. Uh, doors open at 6 o'clock for the Jumbo Shrimp home opener, uh, season opener. And I uh, love it, seeing all the kids out here and must have just got out of school and come on down and have some fun with a little street fest. Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber not even working tonight, but he came down for a little BP. Yeah, I was uh, already out and about doing some uh, some other important stuff for our community. <laughs> I like that. It was, yeah, it's important, you know, helping out a local helping high school with their, their broadcast journalism program. Oh, that is important. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I bet they don't know the periodic table either. Yeah, you know, they don't have to yet. Well, well where are those know. kids at? We could have brought them in for some interns. That was down at uh, Ridgeview. You know, oh, hey, we okay. might we might be able to to slide that a little yep. bit. We'll get somebody in here. But, yeah, Absolutely. so I figured Boot camps and uh, such. in the area, and anytime they have to go chat with the great Roger Hoover is a, is a terrific day. Voice of the, the Jumbo Shrimp. Right. Uh, you can of course hear you can hear his voice on milb.tv. He'll be calling all the games all year long. Uh, great to chat with the Who, uh, and check out a little BP. The guys were getting those last swings in, and you can see that on my Twitter at Stuart As Jax. Very good. Plugging. That's what we do. Oh, that's, uh, good. Let's continue to plug away. Yeah. Uh, how about this for Ken Babby? He's the owner of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, but he's also the owner of the Akron Rubber Ducks. Rubber Ducks. Yeah, oh, I've heard of them. And. Um, you know, it's two minor league baseball teams. Both double-A teams. Both double-A, and both have had name changes over the years. Basically, the Akron team was a uh, kind of like the right? test. They are the test yeah. for what's going on here, and they've done a lot of the same things. But even Harold Crow, we had him on the other day, said they've evolved some of the things that they did even uh, up in Akron just because it's a different city. So I talked to him today. We're going to try to get him on live on TV. Well, he's not coming today. He's up in Akron. They have the home openers in both places. So, yeah, I don't know if he flips a coin. First time in three years they haven't been on the same day. I was talking to Hoover about that. So the last two years they've been on separate days because the Jumbo Shrimp started the season on the road. Yeah, that's a tough call, though, right? Yeah. So he'll be here tomorrow. He's going to stay one game there, come back here tomorrow, and and obviously they got – I mean, he doesn't have to be here, but – uh, he'd love to be here. Seventy home games. He'll be good. he'll be all right. I know it. That's pretty interesting though. When you have two of them, how do you, how do you make that flip it flip a coin? What I would do is I check the weather forecast there tonight and tomorrow and see which day was going to be better just, in Akron. I would just go to the shrimp game because it's in Florida and one's in Ohio. <laughs> pretty uh, pretty easy decision for me. You know, imagine Shotcon has the same issue with the Jaguars and Fulham FC. Well, you don't have to watch him in the English Premier I'm, League anymore. Unless Please. you're in the mood for some fish and chips, though, you know. Yeah, you know. Good stuff. Hey, what, you're when you have your own jet, guy. you can just go over there. You're a soccer guy. We don't talk full of a lot. No. But they're done, right? They're relegated. They're they officially more, are being relegated. Yeah, there's still five matches to play in the Premier League, and they've already been mathematically relegated. So that means they will guaranteed finish in the bottom three and get sent down to the lower division. What What's wrong with them? They spent a lot of money. Yeah, right? they they kept a lot of the guys from their team that played in the league championship a year ago, the lower division. Uh, they did try and bolster it with a few guys, and they just never could get it done against the the bigger teams. And, and it's less that; it's more the performance against the the mid range, the yeah, lower those teams. Are the teams you got to beat. Look, when you're a newcomer to the Premier League, you take your you take your hits against the Manchester Uniteds, the Chelseas, the Liverpools, all those, you know. 
when you're playing Watford and the teams of that sort, which is who they got, you know, stomped by four to one the other yeah, day. Yeah, when you're playing those mid-level teams and the teams you're battling for to avoid relegation, you got to handle your business, and they just didn't do it. And they're on the third manager of the year, yeah. so and it's a caretaker manager, so an interim guy. He's uh, fired a ton of managers. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, that's a soccer thing. Too. I know, I know. They go quicker. It's like hockey a little it bit. It is, and that's because in, in soccer you can just infuse a new guy, and his system will will change the way they're playing like that. They don't need an offseason to change. Correct. Yeah. You can do that in a week. You yeah, know? and some styles and energy, and I, I get it. Uh, what's interesting to me is at some point will they – I, I kind of wonder, Sean Conn, will he keep the soccer? And But at the same time, I wonder that. I know he's got some building going on right around Fulham yeah, no, and Craven Cottage. It, and that's, that's a big thing that came into question for everybody when this happened was, are they still going to do the huge renovations that were planned for the Riverside stand, so yeah. the stand next to the Thames River? And that took a lot to get, And by the it way. took it's a lot of to approval do to, to do that, because it's an over 100-year-old stadium. It's an awesome place, it's by cool. the way. Like, yeah. I'm not a soccer guy, yeah. but Craven Cottage, it's like, the, to me, it's the Fenway Park or the Wrigley Field of soccer over there. Okay, okay. That's what it feels like. Yeah, right. no, and it certainly has that that aura to it so he you know he's still planning to do some of those those major upgrades uh maybe not to the extent as before because that's the thing when you get dropped down from the premier league you lose a lot of money a lot of money not a lot good, of money yeah. like and, hundreds of millions and this and this is the second time it's happened to him now because he he bought the team when it was in the premier league they dropped down it took three or four years to build up good enough to get back up and now they're going right back down they do have balloon payments for the teams that get dropped down so that they're not just left in a lurch but it's still going to hurt, as we say, for a billionaire. Yeah, it's going to be real rough on him. But uh, I think I think we'll hang on to soccer, especially considering the fact that Tony Khan is his son is the the general manager in an effect over there. He's the one who does all the personnel decisions. Yeah. Okay. And he's I a busy guy, Tony Khan. Well, let's be honest, right? The fans aren't happy. No, they're not happy. Uh, but I don't think they can blame Shad Khan and like the spending of the ownership. I don't think that's where to place the blame, to be honest. Uh, maybe they've made some bad decisions on coaches, but I don't even. I, don't, I just think it hasn't. They haven't won enough. Yeah. So from from your perspective, oh, that would make any fan. Uh, yeah. No. No doubt about that. With Tony Khan as the GM, I mean, are there a lot of analytics involved that just don't seem to be like you know crunching the numbers to victories or like what what's the issue here? Like, I mean, you kind of delved into it, but like, if you're the GM, like, what would you change? What, what would you want to see happen here? I think the what they need to keep doing, and it's something that they have done over the last three years, is keep building that youth system they have. Uh, the fact that a guy like Ryan Sessegnon, I know we're really giving some names for the people in our listening audience here, but they, they've been able to develop young guys who've come up through the system and been very successful at a young age. Um, you need to keep doing that, and and that's even something we can look at locally here with the Jacksonville Armada. Right now, they're not going to have a first team this year. They're not going to have a, a competitive main team that you're going to see competing. They're going to have an under-23 team. But they're building up that youth, you know, the, the lower parts of it to, to build that talent so that they have these homegrown guys for later on when they're back in that main league. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, hey, you're a high school football guy, too, uh, our expert. Uh, just was texting back and forth with former Clay football coach Josh Hoekstra, and he's headed to Bowles. How about that? Uh, that's interesting. And I just talked to him. He said, it's a, he said it's a really good opportunity for him and his family, best move for his family. But keep in mind, that move that goes over with Matt Tolblin, who we had on the air a couple weeks ago when he got the job from Pontevedra. Tolblin used to be at Clay. Yeah. And so there's a connection there. But Josh Hoekstra did a fantastic job with that Clay program. I mean, 
he's continued to do a fantastic job of that program. It's really good. He put them on the map. They've had a nice run over the last, I don't know, seven, eight years. Took them all the way to the state championship game. It's really been pretty uh, a pretty special run out there at Clay. And he's the head coach. Well, he's going over to be an assistant coach at Bowles. It's pretty interesting to see those two guys unite at Bowles, where I still think it's debatable at Bowles right now how much you can win. And, I mean, Hayden Hurst has been public about it. Sure. Like, it's a different setup now in terms of the academics and who they're getting in there and how they're getting in there. And we'll see what comes to fruition. Matt Tobin was honest about it. They said they have a vision that to make it work and what's good for the student-athlete and also good for the academics and athletics. I'm interested to see what that is and how it plays out. Yeah, I'm curious if you had a conversation with Wayne Belger, obviously the longtime assistant coach there who became the head coach the last two seasons once Corky Rogers stepped down, uh, about being an assistant there and, and how much that relates to being a head coach somewhere else because uh, you consider how important it is for the family. I think that's the that's the really big part, that's part is that you yeah. know those coaches are getting their kids into that bowl system. That's very And, you know, that that's a huge thing. By the huge way, that's thing. like twenty five to $30,000. Correct. That is correct. So, it, it, or somewhere in that vicinity, get the point. It, it's a lot of money. And, and I thought Matt Tobin was really honest about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. He said he's got a chance to have his kids go there. And, and that makes sense, I mean, from an academic standpoint. To me, it still doesn't add up from a football standpoint. It does, but at the but same time, if you're at if you're at Clay, how much are you dealing with the the new schools popping up, taking your players away? It's not like it was when he got there. I mean, Oakleaf has emerged as this power in Clay County that's yeah. able to grab these guys, and there's so much more competition. There's not competition at Bowles. If Bowles wants somebody, they get somebody. They can. They can. But the Hayden Hurst point, if sure. they will go get somebody, we'll see if they do. Uh, be interested. Actually, yeah. for Jack Stewart Weber, hair looks great, man. I do what I can. You know? Honey, have a good night. Go enjoy some baseball. That's the plan. Thanks for stopping by. Enjoy the fan fest here. We'll stay in your lane. And more football conversation coming up on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Live from the baseball ground. Got a little baseball tonight. Having some fun on a Thursday evening in Jacksonville, Florida on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Coos is around. Marcel Robinson is taking his uh, camera and going home. Must be going to get inside the baseball grounds. Actually, we're Jack enough? Stewart Weber. Joining, we got the whole team here. Yeah, rolling deep today. And rolling really I'll deep. Tell you, this is a party, man. I'm in fact, what I'm going to do in a minute. Next break for the last half hour, I'm going to turn the camera so people can see. If you're watching us on YouTube and Facebook and Twitch. Uh, and also on Twitter. Yep. Uh, you can see we got good festivities. Not as much action behind us exactly. as I thought there would be. So uh, we'll turn, the, turn camera, the camera, get it on the people, and we can start drinking beer then. Oh. And no one's going to know. Ow. I'm kidding, Brent. Yeah. I'm kidding. I have, to, I have to go train tonight, man. Yeah, I got There ain't no time for beer drinking. No. Um, well, there's always time for that. Okay. But Maybe uh, just a one. Just a casual one. Yeah. No shame in that. No shame whatsoever. Uh we got a little stay in your lane. Are you ready for it? Is the question. Not We've really. Got a lot I, of homework. I don't. I know. I don't have a lot of Wi-Fi here, but I, I can make it work. You want to write something on the whiteboard while I'm getting it ready? Because I have no idea what to write. Okay. It's just a. It's, it's a real high energy environment here, and it's kind of throwing me off my whiteboard game. All right. All you right. Go. Dig deep. Dive deep. So stay in your lane. Oh, perfect. All right. We got it here. So, uh, Brent, as you know, WrestleMania is this Sunday. And oh, more WrestleMania talk. Well, yeah, I feel like you, you can't stop now. We really gotta we gotta push it for yeah, the people. People are requesting some more wrestle talk, so I'm gonna give it to them. Uh, in honor of being WrestleMania week, Jimmy Fallon 
had a bunch of kids ranging from the ages of five to seven write in wrestling promos and then have actual professional wrestlers read uh, read the promos on live television. Once again, these are five to seven year olds that wrote promos for the wrestlers, uh, and then you know the best ones obviously the wrestlers read. So here is some of that uh, some of that epic footage here. Well, I guess epic audio for the people listening of uh, of that Jimmy Fallon episode here. Braun Strowman. You want a piece of me? Do you want a piece of me? I'm gonna kick your butt till you fall in the lake. And I'm not joking, because when I'm kidding, I'd say knock knock. Drew McIntyre. I am gonna shove my foot so far up your butts that you are gonna be pooping toes for a week. Don't make me bake a pie and put your face in it. Because your butt is your face. And your face is your butt. So, yeah, that was... Uh, that sounded like five to seven-year-olds. I know, right? So that wasn't Jimmy Fallon. Like, listen, I, I thought it was fantastic because you had some of those guys, and obviously we didn't play the whole clip, but you have some of those guys who are known as heels, who are known as the bad guys in the business right now. And, you know, for them to kind of crack jokes a little bit and have fun with it, I thought it was a great segment. You can catch that all out on YouTube or whatnot. But overall, I thought it was a great idea, you know, getting the kids involved a little bit because wrestling is a family affair. It's uh, it's never too early or it's never too late to start liking it. Yeah, never too early. Never it's too early for sure. It, it does kind of cross over uh, the, the generations now. Mm-hmm. This is the first generation gap. Like, my parents. Yep. That generation didn't like wrestling, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we were like, like my generation now, like forty somethings. Yep. We're probably the first to like it. True. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think so because, and it's a lot like monster truck racing now compared to like we're wrestling back in the day with your parents, Brent. I'm sure it was more like a side show attraction than it actually was like entertainment. Yeah. You know, it was like an alternative sport, and granted, it's still alternative, but but now it's uh it's obviously hit the mainstream. It's it's well known. Uh, there's characters and whatnot. People can relate. So from that perspective, I feel like it went from with your parents to being just like an alternative sideshow thing to an everyday global uh, attraction that it is now. I got you. All right. That's what uh, you, cruise control. What's pumped your brakes? You oh, the, oh just, wow, Brent. Riveting, riveting. stuff. Riveting stuff well, on the whiteboard. After, after you just called. Happy baseball season. After you just called. Uh, uh, after you said. Butt and face and everything else, I five didn't. and seven year olds yeah. say. I figured I'd just go with something nice fair for enough. the audience. Happy baseball season. All right, fair Here enough. In Jacksonville. Well, uh, you, you said something nice, so I'll go ahead and bring it back down to my level. <laughs> Pump your brakes. Uh, I have to go to the whole Auburn University on this one. College football fans may be familiar with uh, the Auburn tradition of uh, going to Tumor's Corner, where uni- like university students will take toilet paper. And douse the trees with toilet paper, kind of like it's homecoming back in high school. Brent, did you have that back in high school? Homecoming? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that, that's kind of a big thing in Auburn, which I'm sure you knew of. Uh, but for yeah. those of you people that don't, it's a huge tradition in Auburn. It actually was a little controversial when an Alabama fan poisoned the two oak trees that are on Tumor's Corner. And that led to a whole big yeah. uh, court case. And, yeah, everyone had to get that involved. That was a big deal. Huge deal. 
Well, let's enter the Auburn basketball team. Having a lot of success going to the Final Four. There's a lot of buzz right now at Auburn University. So much so that the university decided to copyright the phrase, or I'm sorry, not copyright, to trademark the phrase, draining threes and rolling trees in honor of Tumor's Corner. Listen, Auburn University, I don't think anybody was going to try to steal that phrase, draining threes and rolling trees. Yeah, there, there might be some, you know, intramural basketball stoner on campus that came to his mind one time that thought about it, but I doubt he's going to follow through with it. So the fact that you guys had to trademark the phrase draining threes and rolling trees, I feel like it's a waste of money. Step your game up, Auburn. No one's taking that idea. You guys can have that well, one. Well, a couple of things. Trademarks I don't think are that expensive to begin with. And does it really you got to protect trademarks? the turf, man. I mean, look, what's his name? Who was it again? Uh, uh, former Jags player tried to the Saxonville thing. Oh, what, yeah. Or, 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 yeah, or yeah, threatened yeah. to. Or, yep. Oh, what's his name? Why can't I remember his name? I can't remember it either. But I know exactly what I'm talking about. Came over from San Francisco. Um, I, a contract. I just saw him recently, too. I saw him at the NFL Combine. Oh, it's going to drive me crazy now. <laughs> it's going to drive me crazy, in. too, but I can't even think about it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I just got from Ben Becker, Action News Jack's Ben Becker. It's a second reporter mention on the show today. Um, he said more wrestling. He loves the wrestling. Yeah, song. all right, you He's got it. He's a big wrestling guy. Well, hey, you know what? Tomorrow, since it is the last uh, show before WrestleMania, maybe I'll call up my friend Gary Barnridge. I'll put, put up the bat signal. Maybe we can have a little WrestleMania breakdown quick. Oh. If he's down, I'll, I'll reach out to him and see what's up for tomorrow. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because obviously he's a big wrestling fan Gary as well. Gary Barnard's a big wrestling fan. There's a lot of big wrestling fans out there. So, Brent, you, uh, so well. you, you brought up a good point with the whole Saxonville thing. What, what are your thoughts about that? Were, were you, are you a Saxonville guy? Are you a fan of that phrase or not? Uh, I like the phrase because then I can call Calais Campbell the mayor of Saxonville. Fair enough. I like so, see, I like that stuff. I'm not okay. Like the Duval's awesome, right? Duval yeah. Duval till we die. I got yeah. the sticker on my computer. See? I... I that's good. That's catchy. That's fun. That's you know what you know when that only happens. By the way, is when you win. True. Like, no, the Saxonville was you're, huge. You're you're uh, staying your lane mm-hmm. on Auburn, whether you like it or not. It's because they're going to the Final Four. Yes, sir. So I like well, it. I'll, I'm more, I'm, give me all the jingles and songs and everybody yeah. that drops us off a CD about the Jags going to the AFC yeah. Championship game. You know why? Because they're winning. It's fun. The city's into it. I'm all for it. So for the playoff game, I actually wore one of my own shirts that I created uh, with my slogan. Because nothing against Saxonville. I think it's great. But I want to take it in a new direction. And I'm sad that it didn't come into fruition. And I'm, I'm not going to copyright this because I feel like anybody can take my idea. I really don't care. But I All actually right, had a T-shirt that, that said, "Let me write this down." That, that said, "You ready for it? New Sac City." New Sac City. Sac right. City. Like like, like New Sac City. Yeah, I get it. So actually, I got that. yep. So I ended up wearing that T-shirt to the playoff game. Got a lot of positive reviews on you it did? and whatnot. But yeah, but th- that that was my kind of thing. Old City I, Brigaders haven't jumped on that one yet. No, they haven't, man. Maybe New we should Sac do it. City. But I Maybe like, we should do New no. Sac City with the ESPN 690 logo. I mean, if you want, but I feel like it's Saxonville now. But yeah, so what? New, it can be multiple. You can make it whatever the heck you want. Well, I mean, as long as they're getting after the quarterback, you can get as many as you want, in my opinion. But you still have to get after the quarterback. They do. Yeah. And they need another pass rusher to be able to do it at an elite level. Do they need that? Okay. We talk about that in the next break. Do they need one? Like, where's the need factor when it comes to a pass rusher for Jacksonville? We've all said it. We've said it's a kind of the, the thing of people overlooking. And, and so now that we've all said it, people aren't overlooking it as, as much. I get people are talking about it. They see the value in it. 
they see there's always a need for defensive linemen and, and pass rushers. But seriously, what is the need value? If we're talking best player available versus need, what is it for the Jacksonville Jaguars as they enter uh, the NFL draft season in a couple of weeks? Let's talk about that a little bit. And we'll reset the show. If you didn't hear us at the top about RG3, uh, we'll let you know about that, what we thought and uh, what we heard and learned. And it's all coming up next. Live from the baseball grounds, we're having a party. Opening night for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimps. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Come along and say hello. I had to do a little uh, shifting of the camera. We had to do a little yeah. musical cheers. Cheers. That? Cheers. <laughs> That's a little Rhode Island accent coming out right there, folks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to switch it around because, I mean, we got so much going on here. I wanted to make sure everybody got to see it. It's part of the video. Just kind of blah back there. Those very nice trees and stuff. But, uh, we are rocking and rolling here at the baseball grounds. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Home opener tonight, 7 o'clock, a little after 7 o'clock first pitch. And it uh, should be a lot of fun here at the Jumbo Shrimp game as they kick off the 2019 season. They're excited about the team they have and uh, excited about all the promotions. Fireworks tonight, fireworks tomorrow, fireworks Saturday. So uh, come on out, and it looks like they're going to have a lot of people here uh, this weekend. People excited about the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Of course, they always have new gear going on. And uh, to see some of their slogans and creativity is is usually a lot of fun. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos back in the studio pushing all the right buttons, of course. Tomorrow we'll be at Singing the Blues out by Jack's Beach in Sneakers. So come on by and say hello. Uh, what did the uh, Magic Whiteboard say? Extreme close-up. Whoa. Whoa. Little Wayne's World reference for all you Wayne's World fanatics out there. Yeah, there we go again. Deep. RG3 is someone we started <laughs> the uh, show with today. And uh, just to kind of clear the air, this is very peculiar if you missed it at the top. RG3 says yesterday that the Jags tried to trade for him a couple of times, which is kind of weird to hear a player say that, right? I mean, it's not it something you usually hear a player say. Now, maybe something that sneaks out through an agent or whoever else. But a little strange, I thought, to hear him say that on a podcast. But there's a lot more platforms for guys to talk on now. And in a, plat- a podcast setting, I guess that's not super, too surprising. Well, I can tell you today, my sources say that wasn't true. So I guess my point is, let's assume the sources are true from down this end of the world. Why would RG3 say it? And we really couldn't come up with a good answer. Other well, than to say there's maybe answer. miscommunication yeah. potentially between his agent and him on who might be interested in the actual, um, you know, real overture potentially from a team, maybe instead of a hypothetical overture from a team. So you think it's as simple as that? Simple as that. Assuming that your sources are correct and, man, I hope one day I can have coffee or something with your sources because they sound legit. I feel like, listen. There's a reason why RG3 just came out and said what he said. It wasn't like he was asked, well, were there any teams? I mean, it wasn't like someone came up to him and said, were the Jacksonville Jaguars interested yeah, yeah. in you? And he answered from there. I mean, well, I think it was more about starting quarterback. And so he thought yeah. be- be- before Foles, he was like, well, maybe I had a chance to go to Jacksonville because they were already interested in me. You know, so that would be my chance to go be a starting quarterback or at least fight for that position. So apparently the Jacksonville Jaguars brought Robert Griffin in for a workout. Like, that is... Like a year ago. It's, 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 it's all about confirmed. That, that, that's actually true. So <clears throat> the job of an agent is obviously to sign the contract or to, to, to get a contract, uh, to 
to, to vouch for your players, to campaign for your players, to get the best possible deals. You know, they get endorsement deals as well. But also, the job of an agent is to ease the player's mind. Because the last thing that an agent wants an NFL player to do is have to worry about, uh, am I going to play again? How much money am I going to make? Like, that's the agent's job. So I think from a peace of mind standpoint, I think there was some miscommunication in terms of the agent telling RG3, well, hey, the Jacksonville Jaguars will bring you for a workout. RG3 goes for that workout. Who knows how it went? Maybe the agent embellished a little bit saying, well, you know what? You had a really good workout. Uh, they're, they're really interested in signing you. Keep your phone on just to try to build up his confidence. Because, Brent, you said it. You hate the way quarterbacks get coddled. Well, imagine being an agent. And, and, yeah. and imagine having to keep your client's confidence high. So I think from that perspective, I think we have a classic example of where there was a miscommunication between team and agent and then agent to player. Yeah, it could just, be as simple just as a, that. Just a classic game of telephone that and, went and, wrong. It's something that normally maybe not even would get out there, you know, but it just got out there because he was talking about it or asked the right question or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it would never even have known. I mean, who knows? I think that happens a lot too. I think the potential trades or never get uncovered. Uh, like this one kind of did, or <laughs> or at least this one kind of was manufactured yeah. uh, by one side, it appears. Uh, all right, before the break, I said, what kind of need base is pass rusher for the Jacksonville Jaguars? And to preface this, obviously there could be a pass rusher available at number seven when the Jaguars select in a few weeks in Nashville, Tennessee, in the 2019 NFL Draft. Yes, they have Yannick Ngakwe. Yes, they have Calais Campbell. What's behind those guys? And I think that's what you really have to ask yourself because this is a day and age where, you know, don't get too caught up in starter role, but they want rotational role. They want rotational players. They want to keep coming at you with a lot of firepower. And, sure, you can fill rotational role with just a guy. That's easy to do. They get a body. They got a guy that might have two, three sacks, four sacks. But the elite defenses come back at you with a guy that's going to get after it. If you think of some of the key plays Dante Fowler Jr. made in his tenure with the Jaguars, and there were some big ones, especially a couple years ago uh, during that playoff run, well, that's the kind of play you need out of that second guy, the guy behind Yannick Ngakwe. And I'm not saying Dante Fowler Jr. is elite, but he's going to get paid a lot of money in the next couple of years because he's a talented player. And you can argue that he was a little bit of a bust, even, or didn't live up to it. I would disagree in terms of the bust part. Maybe didn't live up to it, I think, is more more accurate. But the bottom line is you need a guy like that. And I don't care where he got drafted, how he got here. You need more players like that for two reasons on this football team. One, on the other side, because Calais Campbell is aging. He's getting old. Now, he looks like he's got a ton left. But what if it goes quick? And then the other side, I think you, you, we have been, uh, I should say we, the Jags have been blessed around here with the health of Yannick Ngakwe and his production. But I think you always have to be aware, you don't want to get caught, that Yannick Ngakwe misses a three-game stretch, and then what do you have? Where's your, where's your threat rushing the passer? The Jags have to be careful to get caught up in that web, and that's why I think it does factor into a need-based position for the Jaguars somewhere in this draft, we can debate how high. So I guess it's important to say, too, I think sometimes people hear the word pass rusher and they immediately think 
defensive end, and that's just not the case at all. There's pass rushers at the three technique as well. Calais Campbell, the mayor of Saxonville, prime example. And he's also a guy where you can actually put in that wide five and rush the passer from a, you know, a quote-unquote defensive end position. Marcel Darius, if you use him in that way, he can get after the quarterback. Exactly. I mean, really like the only guy that's, you know, that's kind of stationary, I feel like, is... Avery Jones, yeah, you know, and knows, but, guy. But, but but don't get me wrong, he is great at what he does. So don't don't get it twisted whatsoever. So getting back to your question, Brent, of how uh, how far up do they got to take a, a pass rusher? Um, how much do they need pass rusher depth? Listen, in terms of defensive end, Yannick Ngakwe is is the man. But you said it, uh, he's not going to be out there for every single play of the game. Their backup right now is McCray. I haven't seen a lot of McCray, so I really can't attest to what the team thinks about him. Brent, you probably have a better idea than I do. I mean, I think he's a good filler, but as far as a game changer, he hasn't really showed us that yet. Maybe he takes the next step this season, but it, it's hard to bank on if all of a sudden Yannick Ngakwe gets hurt, that McCray steps in and the Jaguars don't miss a beat, obviously. Yeah, I think he's a guy, and I think his title of captain of special teams tells you what he is. He's a really good special teams player, and he can do some other things. But to expect a lot out of him in those roles, I think, is a little misleading. Yeah, and then getting back to, I mean, you know, whatever you want to call the other spot that Clayus Campbell, I mean, some guys call it a defensive end or a, or a defensive yeah, tackle a in that defense. In but, defense, but, yeah, he's yeah. big end. Well, I understand that you have to spell him. I mean, it was evident that this past season, I mean, his body started to take a toll on him a little yeah. bit, and that, that's part of playing in the trenches. Uh, it's it's hard to sustain that kind of productivity, uh, you know, for years and years on end. Well, they drafted a guy to, you know, to fill him in. His name is Taven Bryan. So, in my opinion, if you look at the first or even the second round and you see, well, let's see who we can find it to, to help Clayus Campbell out to give him a spell. Well, your guy is right there, David Bryan. So if you draft another, you know, a big defensive end, a three technique even, you're basically telling me, especially if you drafted in the first couple rounds, you're telling me that Taven Bryant's already been a failure and that you don't have a lot of faith in him. Well, I think in the Jags defense, though, I mean, while they've morphed those position at times because Calais Campbell can move inside and play that spot when he needs to, and they've tried to put Taven Bryant in that outside big end spot. The bottom line is, Calais Campbell is the big end, Taven Bryan is the three technique, then you have Marcel Darius, and then you have Yannick Ngakwe. So, Dewan Smoot is the guy that's going to have to step up and play, and I've really followed him on social media this offseason. It looks like he's working his butt off, and maybe they get a jump on Dewan Smoot. Maybe they get something out of him, but so far in his career, he really has offered nothing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They... I think we'll need him to step up and create a role and play a role in any absence or just to spell uh, Calais Campbell. I don't think they'll go with Taven trying to get back out there. I think Taven Bryan's going to battle for that three-technique spot. He's going to fill that role, and he might have to go back and forth with whoever else they put there um, from a depth position. I really think it's the other side. I, I think you were bringing up McCray, who can play that side, but I think it's that guy. Uh, and yeah. by the way, Dan Scuda was the name. Chauffeur Boz helped uh, Ah, on, yes. On Thank Dan you, Chauffeur Boz. Yes. Uh, but I think it's that position. That Who backs him up? Who is the next Dante Fowler? I think you got to look at this as who replaces Dante Fowler Jr. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. That's, and the, that's the simplest way to look yeah. at this. And, and how much do they need to replace Dante Fowler Jr.? <sighs> they absolutely have to. You know, I mean, you... You look at teams that have success in the NFL, they have depth at the pass rusher spot. So, Brent, let me ask you this question. The Jaguars pick at number seven. 
Montez Sweat or I don't know, name your name your pass rusher is available or Juwan Taylor is available. Who do, who do you want to see the Jaguars take? A pass rusher or a right tackle? I'd actually be more excited about the pass rusher. As would I. As would I. I just feel like, and I understand the offensive tackle, it's not a sexy pick. We always say that, but I feel like the offensive tackle spot is a guy that you can go with the depth, you can plug in, and you can't, you can't really miss a beat that much. A pass rusher, on the other hand, if you're liking pass rushers, it's going to shine through. It's going to show through on your team, if not in the, in the first game, eventually. So it's hard to be successful without a lot of pass rushers. How much help, more? How much better does a right tackle make it? How much better does or more elite does a, a potential really good pass rusher make it? I think the answer is pretty simple in that regard. When we come back, I think there's a part of this draft process that is a little silly and... I'm going to ask Austin Lane if he thinks it's the same. And you, too. You can always call us, 904-362-9901. ESPN 690 rolls on live from the baseball grounds. Next. Hey, final segment to go here on a Thursday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Having some fun out here on A. Philip Randolph, right outside the baseball grounds, in between the baseball grounds and Veterans Memorial Arena. Been a lot happening in this area of Jacksonville the last couple of weeks from the NCAA tournaments, all the Iceman games and playoff hockey coming in a couple of weeks. And now the opening night for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. First pitch a little bit after 7 o'clock. And uh, 6 o'clock, the door is open. Everybody will move inside. But got a really nice crowd out here uh, right outside the Jumbo Shrimp game. Everybody excited for a little baseball on a beautiful, beautiful night. So uh, a lot of fun. Come on down. Say hello. To us here on ESPN 690. We'll be inside for TV at 6.50 on Fox 30. And, of course, you can catch a full recap tonight on Fox 30 and CBS 47. Tomorrow we'll be at Sneakers by the Beach and singing the blues. We will uh, have some fun out there by the beach. Come on and say hello on a Friday, especially if you get off work a little bit early. Uh, we'll be on, uh, I think, the patio, depending on the weather, or we'll be inside at Sneakers. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Coos is back in the studio, and before the break, I asked you this question. Well, I didn't. I kind of teased something that I wanted to ask you. Uh, I think there is an element of this process. The more and more I think about it, and I've kind of been big on this, like the draft process is so dang long, and it's like, can we get to April by now? There are some coaches that believe the draft takes, it it shouldn't be in late April. It should be moved up earlier. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but maybe this is an indication of it. Okay, so you go play your bowl game, and let's take the national championship, guys. So first two weeks of January are gone. After that, some go right to the senior bowl. And you start prepping, and you're covering, and you get healthy, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Next big thing is the combine. And then there's pro days. And then there's kind of a lull, because some people do pro days like the Gators and Knowles did it last week, so late March. And there's about a month before the draft. So, what do you do in between that time for that month? Well, I don't know. I mean, you're not doing anything else, and everybody needs a little bit more information. You're trying to stay in shape. So, what the heck? Let's just get 30 guys into every team and make a visit and say hello like it's a recruiting trip, and they're going to LSU, Alabama, or somewhere else. Well, I think the revisits are dumb. The visit, the teams have already met with guys. They're pointless. Because the teams have already met with them at the pro day at the Senior Bowl, at the Combine. 
why do they need to go meet with them again? And especially with 30 guys at the same time, or maybe it's 15 on one day, 15 on another day. I, I just, what a waste of money. What a waste of time. I, I don't see the value. That's me. Now, I've been through this process, but I just don't see the value at all in these visits and what comes out of it. I, I really don't. But you've been through this process. Yeah. Is there a value? I've taken a few it? visits. So, Brent, you really hit it on the head well. So, basically, you finish up your college football season, and then if you're going to be a draft prospect, you have to go to a combine training center. You do that. You get ready for your senior bowl game or wherever you're playing in. You do that. Then you get ready for the combine. You do that. And then it's pro day time. And then you do that. And then you have maybe like about a month and a half or two months off where you can kind of do whatever you want. Well, nine times out of ten, the player that just went through all that is going to be resting. It's going to be recuperating because, listen, they're coming off of a, a full college football season and really getting no rest whatsoever. And then having to go to the combine, the senior bowl, the pro day. So... That's the time to rest. And when teams schedule these visits, they schedule these, you know, these extra interviews, it's just going to wear the player out even more. You always hear the the, the, the term, you know, uh, uh, like a first-year guy hits the rookie wall. Yeah. Well, a lot of that has to do with the traveling that comes after the combine, that comes after the pro day, because literally these kids have no, – I call them kids. These men have no time to rest yeah. going in their first year. Well, I don't – So I, I mean, I don't disagree with you about that. Now, I might disagree with you that the travel to the visit and to stadiums is an accumulation of hitting the rookie wall. I, I just think it's I more their season never ends. Okay. I mean, if you go all the way back to July of your senior year – Mm-hmm. You never stop until January, potentially, maybe even February, of your after your rookie year in the NFL. Exactly. It's essentially a, it can be up to a 13-month, uh, August, September, October, November, December, 18-month season. Yeah. So I, I, I understand that. And I don't, I'm not saying what puts it over the top I, is, the, is the visit, the plane yeah. ride to Jacksonville. But from a mental standpoint, I understand but, what you're saying. And, and, okay, so then here's what drives me crazy. So you have these combines in place. Scouts even come towards the schools like during the season. Scouts can come and quiz you on the board. One that happened to me a bunch, where a scout will show up. And granted, it's never really a head coach, but because they're going through football too. Yeah. But a scout, you know, usually it's like a regional scout will come to your school. They'll interview you. They'll test you on the board. That happened to me at least seven or eight times throughout my college career, my senior year. I'm just trying to plan for Austin P. I'm just trying to get ready for SEMO. No, I'm being serious. Like, here, I'm just trying to practice, get ready for the, yeah. for the week, and I have to go on the board and do extra stuff because a scout's curious of how much knowledge I know. You can't wait till the combine and do that kind of stuff. But whatever. That's a, that's a whole other rant right there. So getting back to the point where you, you, you go to the combine, you go to the senior bowl, or any kind of all-star game because it's all the same, really, and they interview you. They ask you these ridiculous questions. They see if you're a guy that can fit the mold as a football player. And that should be it. But then these guys bring you on these visits. I had to visit Buffalo. Do you know what I did in Buffalo for two and a half days, three days? Eat chicken wings? I ate a lot of chicken wings. I went to the chop house. I figured out what a Cobb salad was for the first time. Big wedge of they lettuce. They don't yeah. have Cobb salads in Wisconsin? Well, usually like a Cobb salad, like, you know, it's it's lettuce and it's blue cheese and bacon. But like a traditional Cobb salad is literally like the whole head of lettuce. And then they put the blue cheese on top of the oh, whole head of lettuce. Oh, you're thinking the wedge. Is it, ah, I think it was yeah, a con. Nah, I don't know. Okay, okay, maybe a wedge salad then. Whatever. A wedge, it was. you're right. You got a wedge. Okay, so I got wedge a wedge salad. Awesome, by the way. But but literally, now I did. I love the wedge. It's like one of my favorite watering. things. So literally, <laughs> that's all I did in Buffalo. Totally was, threw me off. Like, was I wedge or lettuce wedge? <laughs> literally, all I did in Buffalo was I ate 
and I, I went on the board once, and I talked about things that I talked about at the combine. How many guys did you visit with? Just one, just Buffalo. Oh, no, but I mean, how many guys were there? Oh, at the stadium? I met with the defensive... No, no, I mean, how many players oh, along players... with you? Oh, it was uh, yeah, about 10, 10 or 11. Yeah. And, and, like, and like the highlight of the whole thing was Jim Kelly, you know, a famous Buffalo Bill. We were at a place called the Chop House. Uh, Jim Kelly comes out, gives a nice speech about the Buffalo Bills. That was cool. Yeah, like, I bet that, that is cool. That was worth the trip. But really, what kind of made me shake my head was like, oh, and by the way, like he gave his, his great speech about Buffalo and how great it is of an atmosphere. And then to end up the speech, he goes, and I understand we have Tim Tebow here too, because Tim Tebow's in the group. And Jim Kelly, literally in the middle of a speech, goes, hey, Tim, can I get your autograph and can I get your picture of you? And and me, and, and granted, uh, and I've kind of told the story a little bit, but me and Brandon Spikes, Brandon Spikes, a middle linebacker from yeah. Florida who always, you know, with Josh, who would always make fun of Tim. I mean, you know, in, in good fun good and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I, I turned to Brandon Spikes, and Brandon Spikes just shakes his head like, come on, dude. <laughs> so, that, I mean, that, that was literally the experience. But as far as talking X's and O's, I did a little bit of that, but it was nothing that they, that they, they didn't gather at the Combine. So I think what really should happen, by the way, is when the next crew, rookie crew comes to the Calford Chop House this week or yeah, next week, yeah. then you should go over and talk to them. Well, and, and here's what bothers me about the whole thing. And I say all the time where sometimes NFL players are pawns. That's all this visit is. That's all these visits are when you see a guy that's on Snapchat tweeting, oh, I'm in Jacksonville right now, or I'm in Buffalo, or I'm wherever. Your pawns, man, because what a team's doing is like, oh, well, we have this because you can only get so many visits. So this team's bringing this guy for a visit to show, well, hey, we really, really like this guy. Maybe a team's going to see that and be like, oh, if they like this guy for a visit, well, then we have to, we have to take him sooner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's all about a mind games. It's all about pawn, you know. I mean, and, and I hate using that term because it kind of it kind of takes the prestige of the whole process, yeah, yeah. and, and it kind of tarnishes it. But that's how I feel. But it is an absolutely part of it. stupid part. Uh, well, yeah, of it. I don't get. It. I mean, like, I, I don't even think it's worth following it. Like, I mean, it, listen, okay, Jawan Taylor was here the last couple of days or one of the days. Okay, that's not a surprise. We knew he'd be here. Like, there's nothing there. I mean, that's to me, that's not news. It's it's like we know it's just part of the process. Does that mean any more likely they're going to pick him? No, no. they have 30 guys coming in. If if you're confident in your scouts and your GM, you know exactly who you're going to take after that combine film was over. And that's the thing. To me, like I would say, oh, oh, I'm you, sorry, could draft, you could do the draft after well, – how early can you do the draft? Could you do the draft after the combine, do you think? Do you need the pro day? Yeah, absolutely you need the pro day because they're small school guys who don't get the opportunity okay. to go to the combine. Fair enough. So you could so really if you moved up the draft, you'd only move it from a from a what you need standpoint, probably mm-hmm. to like right now. Exactly. Like you could draft early April instead of end of April. Yeah, and from that perspective, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. I think Well they won't do it. The NFL's smart enough to know yeah. that they got their island on the end of April. They yeah. don't have the NCAA tournament final four. They don't have the Masters. Exactly. Got Everyone's talking about that month. So NFL for three job. more weeks than what the heck. It doesn't matter. But I would just say, I just think the visits are dumb. I mean, listen, I guess you got that Jim Kelly experience. So maybe for the kids, maybe young guys, it's like, hey, I got to go visit Chicago. I got to go visit Jacksonville. But, I got to go see what the different locker rooms are like. I'm saying more for the, the young man getting drafted than it is for, like, if you go to Lambeau Field on your visit, that would have been kind of cool. That would have been fantastic. That's my point. Yeah. But there's a kid somewhere along the way that played wherever and says, hey, I got to go visit Jacksonville. That's my hometown. Well, well guess like, what, that's though, Brent? Cool. 
I ended up playing at Lambeau Field, so it all panned out for me. Well, when I, I, what, what, I mean, when I was in Buffalo, I had no ties to Buffalo. I didn't leave that Jim Kelly speech. I didn't leave that stadium thinking, oh, man, I want to be a Buffalo Bill now. That wasn't the case at all. All right, that's going to do it for a Thursday. We'll be out at Sneakers at Singing the Blues tomorrow. And join us on TV tonight, Fox 30, 650. I'll be live from the baseball grounds. Come on out. Let's see some shrimp play ball tonight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.